0: In the tall grass, wish I had a pilot and a podcast. Wish I had a strong donkey that can holler ass and travel with portable speakers playing boss skags. I wish I had a million dollars. I wish I had a million albums. I wish I had a million problems that way I couldn't pinpoint all one million outcomes. I wish I found a genie lamp. I wish them girls gave me them sugar like Beanie Man. Yeah. I wish I was a comedian, late night sitcom syndicated on TV land. I wish this well had water in it. These kids are stealing all my pennies. Focused on my wealth, you can help me wish, but I would rather wish for help. It's like, it's like, I wish, I wish, that every time we love and it feels just like this. I wish, I wish, that every time we do it it feels just like this. I wish, I wish, that every time we love it, it feels just like this. It feels just like this. It feels. I wish I had a time machine. Wish I had a better rhyming speed. Wish that I could speak to giants after climbing up a green stalk that grew from a lime bead. I wish that I could spread my wings. I wish that I had seven limbs, yeah, that way I'd hold on to everything and laugh when I hear people wishing for the better things. I wish I spoke fluent Spanish, dímelo, at least I kind of understand it. <laughs> wish that I could throw the deuce like Gambit and get so large I could play pool with the planets, yeah. I wish I was an astronaut. I wish I knew more classic rock <laughs> Focused on myself You can't help me wish But I would rather wish for help It's like, it's like I wish, I wish And every time we love and it, it feels just like this I wish, I wish that every time we do it, it feels just like this I wish, I wish That every time we move like and it, it feels just like this Feels just like this uh, it's just it's like like who the donkey we would turn some dumb shit into something that got everybody wild and our circumference big assumptions it so ain't nothing new fuck a motherfucker you, mm. you do these hello
1: guys? cats and kittens and welcome to another episode of the debrief how are you as always i am your host Brianna Joy Gray and we have on tap today's part two of my two-hour interview with Shama Sawant and this half, we get into the nitty-gritty of AOC's interview with The Lever with David Sirota, one of the few left interviews that uh, she has submitted to of uh, late. And we get as close as we can get to a dream scenario of Shama actually interviewing or being in dialogue with AOC. And she, you know, pushed back against AOC's characterizations, I think most notably about her justification of voting to crush the rail worker strike um, earlier this year or at the very end of last year. Now I can't even remember. Um, and also in acronym news today, uh, we interviewed Marjorie Taylor Greene on Rising. Uh, it was interesting. She stayed around longer than we thought. We were told we got 10 minutes, but we pushed it a little and I'm glad we got some more in. And I, you know, I, I think it's, Questions that she's probably never been asked before. Um, I thought strategically about how I would handle this going in. I watched a bunch of her interviews with liberals, including the sixteen minutes interview. I felt it wouldn't be especially productive to take the Leslie Stahl approach, which was to open with people have called you every name in the book. Let me list you those names. <laughs> to which Marjorie Taylor Greene responds, Yep, I don't spend too much time thinking about what people call me, which is what anybody would respond. I mean, <laughs> Like you're not, it wasn't the kind of questioning that was actually interested in getting answers or depressing people on their stated ideology versus what they actually believe in. And that was my goal. Um There has been a really robust conversation about left populism happening right now versus right populism and whether some leftists are too credulous and giving credit to right populists for airing certain in, uh, issues that we mutually care about Um This has been triggered by Tucker Carlson's departure from Fox News. Uh, Lee Harris at the American Prospect, who's reporting I enjoy a great deal and who is a a sometimes guest on Rising, um, wrote an article with one of her colleagues, which I read as an an attempt to articulate what uh, Tucker Carlson's appeal was. Apparently, a bunch of people on the Internet interpreted it as – an endorsement of some kind of Tucker Carlson in a way that I found to be a little confusing, but there was a whole hubbub about it and a conversation about whether leftists are giving too much credit to right populists, too much credit to someone like Tucker Carlson for having someone like Glenn on or Jimmy on to talk about Julian Assange, how you manage those kinds of relationships when you don't otherwise have access to mainstream television, uh, and on and on and on. So I tried to provide some kind of example in this interview by trying to get the answers that I think the left wants and to try to collapse the extent to which faux right populists can really claim to be populist. So I asked her questions about military spending and whether given that she thinks that we don't have a revenue problem, that we had a spending problem, if she would be willing to cut military spending, especially in light of her critiques of Ukraine, she said no she backs biden's military budget she just doesn't like the ukraine war she's happy about all the other wars um i asked her why it seems in light of the debt ceiling ceiling bill that she voted for and which just passed the house um that there's always seems to be an appetite for cutting social services for women and children and the poor and working class people but she won't tax the rich she just doubled down on saying she doesn't think that we should tax the rich um, and on and on and on. In fact, maybe I'll just play that part of the interview. Um, I also asked her about defending the FBI and whether or not she'd actually plan to promulgate any legislation to that end. She said no. I asked her if she had reached out to any progressives who might be similarly interested in the FBI overreach. She said no. So I wish I had more opportunity to ask more follow up questions on that end, like when when. Will you write something and why haven't you so far? This is such an issue. How is it not performative if it's been all of these months and you still haven't acted on it? I think that was last summer that that conversation was happening. Um, But let me just go ahead and play a little bit of the interview and then we can get into it. And of course, talk about uh, today's episode as well. Why is this not playing? Oh. Representative about being a successful businesswoman and thinking that the country needs to be run as a business. I think many populists perceive the, the that the company already the country rather is too. Much run in that direction. Fifty-seven percent of Americans think that billionaires, the extremely rich, should pay more of their fair share. In the uh, the debt ceiling uh, bill that was just passed, there were cuts to assistance for uh, women and children's nutrition and elderly nutrition. Three three million people who have their services cut, and it does seem over and over again that there is an extreme appetite for cutting the budget in ways that disproportionately affect poor and working people, while there's absolutely no appetite for ever taxing elites whose wealth share has grown exponentially over the course of the pandemic when so many people are struggling. So what do you say to folks who say the kind of populism that is being promoted by some people on the right is really a faux populism that really isn't invested in raising the material well-being of the poorest and most working class people in this country?
2: Hmm. I really love talking about this topic with you. Um, actually, it's the unholy union of a powerful federal government with big corporations that has created a, with big corporations that has created a lot of the problems that we have, and it's the trade deals for decades where we sold out American factories and. Manufacturers and sent our jobs overseas and forced American companies to compete with countries like China and India, Mexico and many others who use very cheap labor and child labor. You see, our American workers couldn't compete and our American companies couldn't compete to that. And that was the government that made that decision. They sold out American businesses and by doing so, they sold out America's blue-collar workers. What we need to do is we need to break the unholy union between the federal government and big corporations and we need to make american companies number one in the world again and we need to stop forcing american companies to unfairly compete with foreign countries and let's go a bit further there you see it's the excessive out of control spending in washington dc and the oversized government that has forced inflation to become so high that's really hurting america's poor this is something i greatly understand Um, this is how this is all that my friends and family these are the people that I know and love back home in Georgia and many of the Americans that I talk to across the country Americans are suffering because of the horrible decisions in Washington DC and the horrible decisions in Washington DC are hurting the very people that pay the taxes that pay the light bills uh, for here here in this building I'm sitting in and, and it's it's time to make that end. Well, I to um, agree the with big the big problem is is when we have lobbyists that we see every single day coming to lawmakers like me, pushing the interest of of big companies, big pharma, uh, the military-industrial complex, and etc. But yet we don't see any lobbyists coming here pushing the interest for the small business owner, you know, mom and dad back home, the mom and pop grocery stores, and so forth. That's everything wrong with Washington, and those are the kinds of changes that I want to make.
1: I tend to agree with a lot of that, Representative, which is why there's a question about why conservatives have embraced, pushed for uh, the relationship, the ability for people to spend exponentially, frankly, and undermine the one-person-one-vote one, one, person, one vote principles of our democracy. So decisions like Citizens United have greatly expanded the power of corporations to influence the government. Right now we're in the middle of a discussion about whether the, members of the Supreme Court have had undue influence because of informal lobbying efforts, people have argued. So would you support efforts to limit,
2: restrict the amount that corporations
1: can spend in politics?
2: Well, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. I can only speak for myself. Um, I don't take donations from lobbyists. That's something that I decided to do from the beginning. Um, and I truly believe that I, each representative, um, all 435 of us, we really are kind of like lobbyists or we should be for the people and the businesses back home in our districts. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm very interested in looking at some sort of changes possibly that can be made uh, for lawmakers and to reduce the influence of big corporations on on legislation here in Washington, D.C., and make sure that we have the, the right focus on the American people. Um, but also, I'm a business owner, so I do understand the needs of businesses and their ability to be heard um, and things that affect their industry here, so I actually see it both ways. But I just want to remind you, I'm I'm not really your average conservative or average conservative Republican because I complain a lot of times about my party just as much as I do about the Democrat Party. Mm. I, I appreciate that. But just on that one point
1: not taking money from lobbyists is one thing, not taking money from corporate interests is completely another. I might be mistaken, but very few politicians actually take that no corporate money pledge. Bernie Sanders was one of them. And despite taking that pledge, managed to out-fundraise everybody else in the Democratic Party. Would you ever consider swearing off all corporate donations, speaking to, as you have done, how pernicious the influence of corporate money is in politics?
2: Well, I'm really excited to to tell you that Almost all of my donations are small dollar donors. I think my average donation, I I'm, could be off by a few dollars and change here, is somewhere around $35 uh, per person. So I'm not exactly sure what my average donor is, but I think it's that it's around that dollar amount. Mm. Um, you know, but I'd have to look at what that pledge looks like because again, what if I have, uh, one of my constituents that, that we have the flooring companies. Uh, in Dalton. So I don't want to say I'm going to swear off donations from someone that lives right there in my district.
3: Uh, Before we let you go, Congresswoman.
1: All right. obviously you can watch the whole 20-minute interview over at uh, Rising, Uh, but I also don't want to, you know, step on obviously today's episode. So obviously the floor is open to everything that you want to talk about. Carolina boy, you're up first. What's on your mind?
3: Hey, Bree, can you hear me? Loud and clear. Finally, I swear, I've been trying to call in the last few times, and my audio gets getting and cut off, or yeah, I my mic gets muted, or I get dropped out of the queue, or something. I, my My suspicion is David Saxon, Peter Taylor trying to censor me, but <laughs> we'll we'll see we'll see if that comes up. But no, I want to say I thought uh, I thought you did good with the interview with uh, Marjorie today. Um, you know, to me, I, I think you pretty subtly exposed her as being quite the fraud, like most of the other people that are part of this right populist movement um, on substance. She is nothing different than any other mainstream uh, Republican hack that there is, you know, all that they do is just try to adopt populism as this posturing or, or aesthetics in order to appeal to a broader working class coalition. But when you get down to the substance and look beneath the surface, there's actually nothing Uh, There, Because, you know, getting money out of politics could easily be something bipartisan that, uh, you know, an ostensible right populist should support. And the fact that she couldn't even uh, say something like that just just exposes her to me as just a total fraud. Um, You know, and personally, she she seems to me like the kind of like what the what you see, like in, in Hollywood and movies, like their portrayal of typical like Southern trailer trash. And it just gets them on my nerves. Like, I I don't take her seriously at all. And I, and I think um, she's no different than any other um, mainstream Republican. Did you get that vibe with her?
1: Well, I certainly I, mean, I don't follow her for being Southern or, you know, anything about her affect or educational background or class status or anything like that. But I, you know, I think that if someone wants to themselves as a populist you have to be able to explain while why you think a good deal is cutting benefits to poor mothers children and the elderly while you absolutely refuse to entertain a conversation about taxing elites you got to be able to explain that if you want to paint yourself as an anti-war activist and you know a quote-unquote isolationist then you have to be able to explain why you don't support cuts to the military budget and why you think the military is good and our troops and our expansive dominion over the globe is good, except for in Ukraine and carving that out in particular. And, and why, if you think that corruption is such a problem and you think that lobbyists are such a problem and you will say explicitly that you think money and politics is a problem, why you don't think, um, what does face Clarence Thomas is a problem, and why you don't think Citizens United is a problem, and why you personally continue to take corporate money?
3: Yeah, and so you, what, what I'll say about that is, um, it's clear to me that none of this is about like the actual any sort of principle, the actual underlying issue where they're trying to pop, posture as being populist on it. It all it's all about the right feeling, like they don't have. Um, I would say, like, they don't have uh, their, uh, their agenda being driven with certain things. Like, when they posture against corporations, they're doing it because they don't like that certain corporations are going, you know, quote-unquote woke or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason, like, for her, like, I, I guarantee you, she has never known anything about Ukraine, the, the history um, you know, in Eastern Europe or anything like that, the only reason that she's, you know, posturing against it is because uh, right now this is the, the, the Democrats and Joe Biden are leading this war. I guarantee you, and the same thing goes for Tucker. I guarantee you if Trump and the Republicans were in office and they were, uh, you know, leading the charge, you know, funding, sending weapons to Ukraine and uh, funding this proxy, proxy war for NATO, they would all fall in line the exact same way. I mean, these people are all just hacks. And even with Tucker, we know it from history because Trump sold weapons to Ukraine. And uh, not just him, but uh, Ron DeSantis voted for uh, sending weapons to Ukraine as well. Yet when he tried to, you know, give that uh, when he tried to give DeSantis this um, uh, this uh, this boost in his popularity, like asking him what his thoughts were on it, he didn't even go into like looking at his record. He just, you know, gave him a a softball question that he gave him time to like send back a written response to so that he could posture like he's this populist against the Ukraine war. So I I just fundamentally do not trust and believe any of these people.
1: Yeah, neither do I. Um, But we can sit here and say we don't believe them a lot. I think that what people who have the opportunity like I did today need to do is to prove it. And if you want to convince people who are fooled by them that they shouldn't be, then you have to be strategic about it what was really disappointing to me last summer when I was saying, had I agreed that we needed to defend the FBI and so many of the responses were like, well, do you actually believe that Martin Taylor green is acting in good faith? I'm the smartest person on the internet. Um, I was like, well, no, but obviously some people do. And do you think acting like a smug piece of shit on the internet is convincing anybody? (laughs) Or do you think you're just, you're just like, you know, jerking off to your own good opinions? And, you know, it, it's such an honor. Like, it's like, I, I have mixed feelings, as you know, about, you know, what it means to do a show like Rising. But when you have an opportunity to do an interview like this and ask questions that literally no one else is going to ask, because half the left is too smug to ever sit down with her and they think that it's like platforming. I'm going to platform a congressman person who regularly gets to go uh, on cable news and open for Trump at his rallies and all of that. Um they, they don't, they would, they think that giving her that boost is too dangerous. Um, or they yeah. well are liberals who behave like Leslie Stahl and are in it because they want their gotcha moment as a reporter instead of actually just getting evidence. It's not about what I look like. It's getting the evidence on the record that I need to make a point about what I suspect about a person, which is that she doesn't, she isn't actually anti war. She isn't actually for the military cuts that I think a lot of genuine right-leaning populists want, and on and on and on. And now I can go forward in my life and make a case against her brand of populism that's rooted in reality, right. and also make the case for why left populism is a superior option.
3: Yeah, and you know, personally, I thought the, the way that I like this uh, generally being addressed um, was uh, I, I saw you had an interview with uh, a brief interview with Michael Tracy, and mm-hmm. um, you were pointing out you guys were talking about Tucker and his supposed anti-war beliefs, which uh, you know I generally do not uh, buy into at all. But then you pointed out those uh, those examples that Ben Norton uh, mm-hmm. had posted that I thought were all perfect examples of uh, his uh, his extreme inconsistency. And I feel like that's uh, you know that, that's the the main thing that we need to do. But I, I, my, my issue is that so many people they lower the bar so low um, in order to you know, come out with cookies and ice cream for Tucker when he says, you know, one thing mildly against the Ukraine war because the Democrats and Biden are in charge. But you know, they they never. Um, but they they don't. You know, people like Glenn Greenwald don't want you to see when he said that the U.S. and Russia need to align uh, uh, need to align together against China, or when he said that Iran needs to be annihilated, the fact that he supported the Iraq war, um, or the fact that he multiple times during. The Afghanistan troop withdrawal. He hosted the um, the war criminal CEO of Blackwater, Eric Prince, um, on his program. The, the guy whose uh, you know contractor company had uh, massacred 17 civilians in Niswar Square in Iraq. Uh, to you know, and, and they both were talking about uh, criticizing the withdrawal. When we know, you know, if it was Trump's withdrawal, he would be just defending Trump purely on the merits that the fact that he got out of Afghanistan. So I feel like it's important to point out these uh, inconsistencies and double standards, because, um, you, you know, I, I, I see too many people just trying to go above and beyond to lower the bar for them to uh, try to make those type of people more palatable to uh, for leftists. And, and I, I'm, I'm totally against that.
1: Yeah, well, I, I'm not going to speak to what people are trying to do or not trying to do. I think the effect of not pointing out those inconsistencies can be to lead people to think that Tucker or whomever can be, um, are are more credible than they are. And we had this conversation with Glenn Greenwald and Nathan Robinson on the show, you know, two summers ago now. Uh, and, and I think that's an issue, but I think if you want to be heard by folks in those kinds of audiences, then it's important, you know, it's important to be fair. Yeah. Like it's important to be fair to the subject and I, it's no, about I, like I, not not charging them with more than you can prove.
3: No, I 100% agree not charging more than you can prove. But like in that like in that video for example, you pointed out like actual substantive examples and you just you just I mean they're they're facts. They're all on the record. Multiple examples of Tucker not being this anti-imperialist that he postures like himself to be. And uh, so many people in the comment section were complaining about you saying that you were trying to smear Tucker and um, all this other BS. I believe that it's, you know, to a lot of these people, I just don't think that, I like, what I'll say is to the right-wing audience and supporters of these people, I don't feel like they care either way about actual, like, populist principles. The things that they care about are these ridiculous culture war issues no, I disagree. I just, no. I don't think that that's true.
1: There, if you go and look at the, the comment section of this interview, it's a lot of people saying, wow, I'm surprised that she actually supports all of this military spending. I had no idea. Oh gosh, wow. I, you know, yeah, I, I, I agree with Marjorie Taylor Greene on everything except for she lost on the war and on corruption. You know, she's what, she, she's really fully branding herself. You know, she, she brought, she brought up corruption as an issue. She brought up money in politics as an issue. I didn't, I didn't put that on her. She, she's, free, she's bringing yeah. up these issues be, and she, because people really care about them. Republican voters, conservative voters, non-ideological independent voters, everybody cares about money in politics. Everybody yeah. knows it's pernicious. This isn't like well, a left-right issue. I, and that's why she's talking about it. And so if there are questions that get to the fact that she's not acting on it, well, then, that's important, and it starts to make the case for left populism.
3: Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I feel like on the left, we care that there's more substance than just the rhetoric and the aesthetics there in um, in judging these people. And I feel like the right, you know, they mm-hmm. like as long as the aesthetics are there. Um, the, at the end of the day, the main thing that they care about is: Are you dehumanizing trans people? Are you, you know, triggering the libs and like? I, I want to. I, I wanna agree sure. with
1: you, Carolina Boy, but we live in a world where people are now I'm not saying that you don't have the option just to stay home and not over anybody, right, in the primary. But there are leftists uh-huh. who are kind of openly making their whole personality Going on the internet and saying that Marian Williamson told AIDS patients not to get medicine, and she doesn't believe that cancer drugs work, and just lying—like they're making their whole personality lying about Marian Williamson. Because I guess what they're really excited mm-hmm. to vote for Biden in the primary, <laughs> you know. Like I, yeah. so, so there are people who on the left who definitely are taken in by vibes, definitely. And there were people well, who liked the Bernie. Liberals. Yeah. No, leftists. Leftists, people who describe uh, themselves as leftists, people who campaigned and worked for Bernie, leftists.
3: Yeah, well, I, uh, I didn't ever <laughs> consider them like the true left. I mean, I know we don't have No, to, I don't, I don't I care if they're, they're the, like the true left, the blah, blah, blah,
1: blah. We can sit here yeah. and say there's no true Scotsman. The point is that they self-identified as leftists and they fought alongside us during the Bernie wars. Those were our allies. And now some portion of that coalition is not smart enough or savvy enough to see through optics and is going to cast their lot in with Joe Biden because vibes so i, I want to agree with you that everybody on the our side is smart and everybody on their side is dumb i don't think that's what it is because there are plenty of people on their side i think that would see that, that would see what we see about these faux populists if a single person ever tried to actually attack them for their faux populism instead of attacking them for you know you know bad stuff like jewish space lasers or whatever but stuff that's not actually affecting legislation
3: okay i i wouldn't say it as like you know our side is smart and their side is dumb. I just feel like, in general, like these are the issues that that the left generally cares about, and I feel like the right is more or less ambivalent about war in general. Um, I would say that. I mean, we saw that overwhelmingly during the you know the, the years of the quote unquote war on terror. The right was overwhelmingly like you know just being neocon was like almost considered like being populist, wanting to like go out and. Uh, massacre civilians in order to kill the terrorists, like all over the world and stuff. Ted Cruz, like, who, who is trying to rebrand himself as a populist now, he like talked about carpet bombing um, the Middle East and stuff, like mm-hmm. back in the 2016 campaign. Even Trump, he talked about banning Muslims. He talked about bombing the shit out of uh, the Middle East and stuff like that. So I, I, I feel like um, I, I just feel like in general they are, you know, more or less ambivalent about it, and it's more so like the way that. Uh, history shakes out so you know and like i said because biden and the democrats are in power now and they're the ones that are funding nato's proxy war with russia um that just gives the right this feather in their cap to say look they're you know sending all this money away but they're not supporting the, the working class um so that's that and and i would say that the left can also be guilty of that to to a certain degree as well but i just feel like the right has never been has, has generally like been more ambivalent on those uh, populist sort of issues yeah, well, look,
1: I think that right or left, there are people who kind of hit on a right thing every time, every now and again, they they get on a they get on a jag that is correct, at least in my subjective view, but then they'll go off course because they don't have a theory of the case. They don't have, actually have a theory of power. They don't have an economic theory. They have nothing. And so why I get mad at the theory boys on the left who are like, right, well, I haven't read your marks. like, you know. You read, read your Gramsci. Like I, I've read many leather-bound books. I get irritated at them, but whether or not you get the idea from a book or just your common sense in your life or like talking to people and having dialogue with other people, you need to have some sense of how you're evaluating good ideas and bad ideas, good politics and bad politics. What's your What's your north star? Mm-hmm. If you're If you're a populist, then the definition you should not be able to say that without saying. My politics should be around materially improving the lives of poor and working class people. That's it. Like That's that's the end goal. And then what do you think the obstacles to that are? If money in politics is a problem, then that needs to be a consistent thread throughout all of your decision making. And if you're taking corporate money and saying Citizens United is great actually – then obviously you're not living up to your principles. And if voters understood, if we had more of those kind of principle-based conversations, then voters would be able to see for themselves who's a fraud and who's not. But you're never going to see Leslie Stahl on 60 Minutes ask any question that gets to the root of somebody's ideology. And that includes for for liberals and Democrats as well. You're never going to hear someone ask, You know, I had that viral tweet back in 2020 because Kamala Harris said it would be unethical for someone not to be able to afford COVID treatment and died from COVID because they were poor. And when I pointed out that's true of every illness in the mother effing world, Mm -hmm. all of her sycophants fell on me and told me I would never work in this town again and and call me everything but a child of God. Imagine Mm -hmm. if a simple question like that could be asked of Joe Biden on the news. Why did you think it was unethical? For people to die of COVID, but you're willing to have a, a healthcare system where poor people die every day because of an inability to afford healthcare. Imagine if one yeah. flipping reporter just asked some questions like that.
3: No, I 100 percent agree uh, with you on that. Um, you know, I, I guess from part of the way the thing is, like the way that I've seen it is just the, you know, the Democratic, uh, like I don't consider like the Democratic Party and, and their apologists as like part of this, this leftist coalition that that you know i i want to see rise up and like lead uh, a real revolution i i i just see them just along with the entire right as being the enemy like that's just kind of the way that i've i've seen it from from my perspective and so um you know i i think that there's um oh sorry dropped my headphone can you hear me still Mm -hmm. okay yeah no so i was gonna say i think that uh i think yeah i think we should absolutely be pointing out like uh the, the double standards on uh, for, for them as well because they're not like part of what is this actual leftist movement and you know I feel like we need to recruit people who are largely um, you know uh, unaffiliated with any political parties and don't vote and try to um, court them into an actual movement that uh, they can believe in and I feel like it can't be led by um, any mainstream politicians or um, now I don't even think it can be you know I don't think that there can be real like Uh, media celebrities or anything uh, leading that movement as well i think we need like um actual like uh working class uh leaders people like chris smalls and and alike um people who aren't gonna get sucked into uh the elite ruling capitalist class uh, if we want to um actually uh, achieve our end goals so that's that's generally like the way that i've seen it
1: yeah look thanks for calling in carolina boy i gotta move on to the next caller but i appreciate i'm glad you're able to make it through today
3: yeah, no, thank you. And I, I posted a link in the chat. I'd love people to look at it. It's a it's a video that, it's a long stream that Ben Norton and uh, Robbie Martin did, exposing Tucker's long neocon history, even over the last several years. Multiple more examples than the one that he put in that in that tweet. I think a lot of people should look at it and they'll, they'll know the fraud that he is. So, thank you.
1: All right, thanks for that link. Keep the faith. All right, you guys know I do one from the front, one randomly selected from the queue and alternate. So, I'm going to go to Diana next. Deanna, what's in your mind tonight? Can you unmute yourself? Did I catch you off guard?
4: You did, but I'm here. Hi, Brie. Awesome. It was so nice to see the two of you talk. And I have to start by saying I really hope that you just invite her onto Bad Faith and really have a long-form conversation with her. And, you know, I'm from Georgia. A lot of people hate her here. And it's fine. Mm. <laughs> but what I've noticed is that she's she's a vicious fighter for her constituents, which I really, really like. When they speak up, she takes action in Congress. She's introduced numerous bills. And I wish I had, like, facts in front of me right now. But I, I don't. Uh, that's something I, I can send you Um you know, the later, or I don't know, DMU or something. But she's she's fiery and passionate for her constituents, and that's something that I don't see out of the uh, Congressional Black Caucus. Uh, definitely not out of the progressives who are now being called by Sabby the regressives, and I, I agree with that. <laughs> and you know, she's she's someone who is open minded enough to really have a real conversation. And I think that even today she spoke about when she spoke about money she act you know inadvertently mentioned what I think the solution should be which is lobbyists for the people. Everybody who wants to pay $5 a month to one pack devoted to fighting for the things that the people want. These people are ruled by money. Everyone there right now is basically a sellout for a check as far as I'm concerned. That's a game of pimps and hoes. So we need to get in the pimp game as populists, as leftists, as for me, I'm an independent and as people who care about actually getting things done on our behalf. And so I don't know, You, you can speak on that.
1: Um. So, uh, the, here here's my issue with that solution, mm-hmm. and with Marjorie Taylor Greene's framing mm-hmm. today. So, for one, I struggle with acknowledging that it's a pimp and hoe game when you are happily still turning tricks. <laughs> 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 to continue your analogy, <laughs> you know, it's one thing to say, "Oh, I'm 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 against." Prostitution. Right. When you were fully just in the game. But she, and you have options. Like that. The reason I brought up the fact that Bernie out fundraised everybody in the Democratic mm-hmm. primary wasn't just to insert Bernie in the conversation randomly, it's to say many people's reaction when you say stop taking corporate money is to say, oh, well, I'll go broke. I'll never be able to win my elections. I can't do that. I It's an arms race. I got to participate. But Bernie really turned that on its mm-hmm. head in 2020. So, No, you know, this is not someone who has to do sex work. This is someone who's choosing to do. I'm sorry, I don't want to bring sex workers into this. It's really not about that. This isn't someone who has to do it. Like, and she's very popular. She's AOC levels of popular, and she's able to garner a lot of um, donations from across the country because she has such a big podium to speak from. And she's such a newsmaker. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I I struggle to trust your claim. Mm -hmm. That you have a problem with money in politics when you are choosing to not only benefit from the system, but to maintain the system. There are a number of bills that have been promulgated to try to reform money, get money out of politics, and reform what Citizens United did. And she has not supported those. And moreover, I am very skeptical that $5 donations from the public without a cap on corporate spending can ever compete. I mean, how much do you think um, the pharmaceutical industry spent on lobbying? Um, let's say, let's do 2020. Let's do a Bernie year.
4: I I mean, I think it's upwards of 70 million. Uh,
1: 372 million.
4: Uh, yeah about
1: right. <laughs> oh, that was last year. That was 2022. This $372 million.
4: Well, you know, the thing is.
1: It was more, it's more in election years because they want so badly to defeat but Bernie.
4: As, as a collective, we could fight for things like something I just found out last night, which is Joe Biden also with his executive power can stop. The pharmaceutical companies from advertising on television. That is the single biggest uh, money maker for big pharma. And I can well, there was a time. I there don't was a time where I I didn't know people who were just on drugs. I don't know so, a single. So I'm not, I'm not disagreeing. I, I I'm not objecting to the.
1: Um, the fact that we do, used to live in a different world where uh, ha- we had less permissive laws about uh, advertising for drugs, What I'm objecting to well, is the idea forbidden. that people it was forbidden and I think right. it should be again. But I'm objecting to the idea that they make money th- from those ads and that that's why well, they're doing those ads. That's how
4: they've been able to with lock the, down with... the media. That's how they've been able to lock down our our representatives, and that's that's well, what they've been yeah paying. yeah. But let me just make okay. this point.
1: The reason that they spend the money on those advertisements is to control – they're funding the media. So then they get to control the media's message. It's not that – I mean, apart from a couple of drugs that are, like, sexy, like Viagra or whatever, most drug ads, you're not, like, choosing based on an advertisement. No, Like, the stock in a given drug isn't going up because you saw it on TV. You only need a drug if you're sick. You know, and the the lobbying – the lobbying is at the, the doctors' offices, which they're doing a lot of stuff that much of which is technically illegal. But it, it, the 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 goal of running those cor- those pharmaceutical ads is to control the media more than it is to like sell whatever colon busting drug is new on the market or whatever new HIV retroviral has like you know cute boys in the ad. Right. And- they always got real cute boys in the ads,
4: <laughs> and they always say, "Ask your doctor." So if someone is is right. not well, they shouldn't have to uh well you know i'll go down a whole rabbit hole with that because the modern medical industry is only a 100 years old and we have been finding wellness for millennia on this planet so we won't go there but um the other thing i wanted to say is she specified that she does not take lobby money from lobbyists which is great because, you know, that's that's a huge step forward. But she would take a donation from one of her constituents who wanted to make a donation. And that's politics. Right, so that's if just politics sh- she's from Georgia. They're going to take No, it's they not.
5: Fun-
4: no, it's, no, it's not.
1: If her constituent is a pharmaceutical, she lives in Georgia. Yeah. Not
4: a small, not well, every state has some industry that's powerful no, but and controlling. She, she spoke about but, a, a specific company within her district. Right. I, so I, I not, heard what she said. Lobbying for people. The, the wait, a minute, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's the people. In her
1: constituents, Diana. Her constituents are people. Right, absolutely. Human beings. Absolutely. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, no, Diana. Her constituents are human beings not corporations. And just because a corporation is headquartered in your state doesn't mean they should have a bigger piece of democracy and more of a say in a political process just because they happen to be within your district. Bernie Sanders had well-meaning billionaires who wanted to donate to his campaign, including that Disney billionaire heir who, by all accounts, is a lovely Mm -hmm. person. But he rejected it out of principle. One, he didn't need it. Two, because at the end of the day, when someone is able to give you a certain amount of money and have an, they're going to have an outside effect on your agenda if you become reliant on them. That's just a general principle. And her saying, "Well, they're my constituent," is a complete and total dodge and an abdication of ethics. But you don't
4: have to become reliant on a a person because they're making a donation to your campaign or to 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 you as a as a, a lawmaker. That just means that they are investing in you and Hello? I'm a corporation. I'm a human. I'm a person with ideas, but I have an LLC. I have a corporation. No, you're so not a
1: corporation, Deanna. A corporation. You're not a corporation. By
4: definition. No, by
1: definition. I'm no. a person. No, you're not. You're a person, Diana, who has and a corporation. And let me tell you, I said, I'm
4: not public. No. So my corporation is run by other people. Deanna, yes. Deanna, yes. Diana. I
1: also have a corporation. I, I And my corporation, that is this bad faith podcast, should not have more of a say in the democratic process just because I have a, a good number of Patreon subscriptions. That's so ridiculous. Why are you assuming My
4: vote is not worth more than somebody else's vote because they have less money why, than I am. Why, why do are you assuming that they expect to have a larger say just because they donate?
1: Diana, De- do you not know how the world works? It does. When people give you money, it's so that you do what they no, say. That's
4: not necessarily true with, with.
1: It 100%, it's all of, 100% of
4: the time is true.
1: Really 100%, 100% of the time.
4: I'm only saying this because I grew up around a lot of politicians, which is why I'm always enraged at the CBC because they I know a lot of them. They don't necessarily make demands of you. They just are saying, I support you. And if I need <sighs> you, I hope I can call on you. And that's, that's, what, no. that's basically what happens on, on every day. Uh, I'm saying in everyday politics.
1: It does happen every day, which is why we have a corrupt world. That's literally people lobbying. There's no, you're saying that it's bad to take lobbying money, but if someone is not a registered lobbyist and they lobby you, it's okay. Okay.
4: What's the distinction? Let me give you an example. There was um, a situation where someone in the music industry uh, got caught up in China somewhere. And this is hypothetical. And that person knew his congressperson and was able to call on his congressperson to see what could be done. They could, he couldn't call the president because you know, he was just a, you know, uh, I don't know. The president wouldn't even have known who he was, but he was able to call the congressperson and that congressperson was able to move things around. What does this have to do with money and politics? That's what happens. Those are the, the kinds of favors that, that, that happens wait, wait, wait. on a daily basis. So you're basis. saying you're, That's you're saying that you're saying that you would think it's doing. That's
1: not what. So you think it's appropriate? Wait a minute. You think it would be appropriate for a Congress member to only try to help a constituent? any wait a minute. Be able So to wait, to wait, wait wait, wait. First, you you think you should be able to cut in line and that is, a congress member should be more willing to help you put you to the front of the list be more willing to take your call because no. you happen to have the money to I pay them but if i'm, I'm poor everyone. fuck
4: me and my family I whoever it they is they that's should, caught overseas I think they should do that for every constituent unfortunately right but they won't diana yes, and do you know why if you call how many times have you called <laughs> i'm i'm
1: I, I, I got to tell you, Deanna, we literally petitioned my congressman person when I was in high school because my father, I don't want to get into it, but the circumstances of my father's death when he was killed by an American embassy employee in Kenya and the government gave him immunity for it. And we tried to lobby our congressman person hard so that he would have to pay even a single dime for murdering my father. And they did not. Okay. So I don't know, maybe if I were a millionaire or maybe if I had been famous back then, I could have pressured my congress member to actually you know, act. And, or maybe but that's not how the world that, that but that but that wasn't the case. And so here we are, twenty odd years later. Do you I know do. what I'm saying? I that is not
4: how the world should work. I, I, I do think that the world should work in a way that allows the constituents to reach out to their congressperson. And a lot of people I know are constantly calling their congressperson. They just they're regular people. But they call, they write. Nope. Caroline they, Maloney patted us on the
1: head and sent us on the way. And, and Jim Clyburn, who we also tried to get oh, into through Congressional Black Caucus oh, means, also patted us on the head and sent us well, on our way. And do you know why? Do you know who takes more money from the pharmaceutical industry and what is one of the biggest corporate Clyburn. money takers in all of he Congress? Is
4: useless. Jim He's Clyburn. Useless. And there are a lot of them who are. And useless. that's not an accident. But there are some who actually listen to their constituents, which brings us back around to MTG.
1: Jesus. Their their willingness to listen should be based on their willingness to listen, Diana.
4: not your ability to fill their pockets. What you're asking them to do when they have to run every two years, what has happened is their whole life is a treadmill of raising money in order to run again. And so those people who are in their face all the time and the ones who give them money both have value in their in their lives. They can't. Serve the constituents if they're not in Congress, it, and if they want to be. She's someone who did not want to be in Congress. Her friends pushed her into it because she was a person who was complaining about politics. gonna look, and it, it sounds to me like you think that corruption in politics no, is fine.
1: I think, you're not the I, only one. A lot I of people think, agree with you, but you're not going to convince me or anybody else in this get call it
4: out until we make a power move as voters. Right, the, the power, power move is, is not campaign finance yeah, reform. Th- the that power means, move is not allowing corporations to spend endlessly in politics. Stop it. That depends on them making a move. We, the people, have to make a move. We cannot. cannot if you want to contribute, they'll look, one if you, day w- uh, write money out of their pockets. That's great. No, if you, if you want to contribute, if you
1: want to contribute, Deanna, to some of these progressive PACs that are aimed at getting exactly that done, they exist. No one's oh stopping God, you from doing they're that.
4: They're not getting anything done. Power, power, no cons- shit Sherlock. Power, it's not a, it's not power a great sees nothing without force. Do you see what's happening in France right uh, now? They're forcing their okay, issues. so uh, and so, right, so, what are you saying,
1: Deanna? You're saying Marjorie Taylor good is gr- Green is good because she doesn't like lobbyist donations, even though she takes every other kind of donation. But she should be allowed to take every other kind of donation because otherwise, she wouldn't be the kind of in in office in the first place. But what's the point of her being in office in the first place if she doesn't
4: actually fight for the kind of legislation that you say that no, you agree with to get money out of politics? Like, what no, is the what, point? What I'm saying simply is that right now until we can vote in the Kshama Swans of the world, we have a corrupt system. And in order to play the game to win, and the the object of any game is winning, in my worldview, is to get ourselves as constituents, as the people, as the ones who outnumber them greatly, into the game in a powerful way. And they, right now, only respond to money. And so if we have our own pack, which we don't, right now we haven't even tried this before. no they they're, they're not, no there are there are progress there are okay, 100% progressive and, and 100 packs. of them won't
1: get anything done we need one no team. I didn't say there are 100 progressive paths I said 100% I, there I, are I progressive agree. packs. there absolutely are they are what have they done what what has happened I, I don't know if that's if that's your path to going forward if that's no. what you believe in I think that's fine. I don't think there's a problem with those. Go forth. Um, who was it that was starting one? Some progressive Chank was going to do one for a while, and then you there was know, one. That, oh, God, they, was it Faz? Somebody I like that had started a pack. You're
4: talking about people who are are sellouts themselves. So it, yeah, it I am. It has to be democratically done. It has to be completely transparent. It has to it has to be something that's structured in a way that's different. From the packs that currently exist, it can't just be another money grab. Well, it has to be something well, very that's, targeted. That's what it is. That's what it is. Who's going to fill the coffers of the pack? Who are they going to go to soliciting
1: donations, and then what are they going to do to direct the directions of the pack? I know one pack that's run by a lovely woman who happens to be more Warren inclined. Oh God! And she raises a lot of money for quote unquote progressive causes, and it's like mostly lovely but she's never going to back a Bernie style candidate. She's never going to do anything look. revolutionary because the people with money who can actually keep up with folks like the pharmaceutical industry don't want what we want.
4: And so, so look, I, I, I believe that are useless. So I think the galvanizing thing that, that left. I don't know what you want from me, Deanna, all of us to focus on. Go, go for it. Who- go for it. Set one
1: up or tell me about one and we can talk about it on the pod. But I mean, I'm not passionate about that. That's not what I think is the way forward. And what this conversation is about isn't some abstract philosophy about how to get a pack. It's about whether Marjorie Taylor Greene is principled as she says she doesn't want money in politics, but is happily gobbling down every dollar that comes her way from the most vile people on the planet. And that's what's true. Marjorie Taylor Greene takes the dirtiest corporate money in politics and she's lying about it. So you can think that's Does okay she? or not. That's not really any of my business, but that's the truth of what's going on.
4: Well, I, I've, oh, I've only, I haven't gone down her rabbit hole to find out who exactly donated to her. Uh, that you know, that's public information. So I will. The, the defense industry. Well, that's why she's For one, war right now.
1: Yeah, but it is why she's she, pro war because that's how money she, works.
4: She said today. she also <laughs> said today that she would. She's happy to be a part of the Republican Party right now so that they can restructure the budget and take some of the money out of the bloated military budget. She said that. Those words did come out of her mouth during that interview. Now, I I don't know if you want to give any credence to those words or.
1: Wait, I'm supposed to think it's a good thing that she wants to stand by the Republican Party and their debt ceiling, excuse me, their debt ceiling bill that would cut money to poor kids and mothers and and elderly people on assistance. The
4: Democrats introduced that stuff. The yeah, Democrats, Democrats suck too. To What's the that? point? So they're the same. They're all the same. They are hard. No one's disagreeing with that. So I'm saying the Democrats suck and
1: Marjorie Taylor Greene is also uh, being completely inconsistent in her views here. But for some reason you're the one who's wanted to say there's something good about Marjorie Taylor Greene taking corporate no, money. No, I,
4: I think there's something good about everyone. And so I'm in looking for it. No, we're, our, no, Deanna, no, no, don't do I'm, that. I'm not, we're, you specifically brought up you specifically brought up the fact that
1: that she doesn't take "quote unquote" lobbyist money, and so that was she answered the question well because she's she that was really important. That's a big step in the right direction, was what you I said. I do
4: think that's a big step in the right direction because well, lobbyists come to the table only to push for their own causes, to write their own bills, to create their own personal agenda. A corporation who's in your your backyard might need a road going. Uh, who's she that taking makes money from? More easily. Uh, makes their business okay. more easily accessible so it's looking like a chemical factory a stop
1: socialism now pack that's great what?
4: well <laughs> I'm literally I can't I, uh, just, I haven't seen socialism work on the planet yet so I, you know I, I'm okay I'm,
1: I'm, I'm, well it was good talking to Diana. I have to get to some more callers but I appreciate okay. you calling in. take care you too Layande, what's on your mind tonight?
6: Um, so how like, are you? How
1: are you enjoying your life in capitalism? Isn't it working fabulously?
6: <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about something a little bit more lighthearted. Um, the other day, I was thinking. I was thinking that, like, you know how every time there's a presidential campaign, and like, there's always the question, like, who would you pick for your VP? And they never mm-hmm. answer until it's like actually time to pick the VP, and mm-hmm. then we all just forget about it. Like what do you, who do you think this is this is the hard pivot from whatever we talked about before. Um what do you think Bernie like who's Bernie going to pick for VP?
1: Who was he going to pick? Yeah. Um I don't know. I don't think I honestly don't I don't know. I mean, I I secretly, privately speculated Cory Booker, but it's not based on anything. I need you guys to understand that I had nothing to do with the campaign. No one listened to me. Nobody talked to me. Nobody consulted. (laughs) I was never in any meetings or anything. So me speculating is like you speculating. But uh, my speculation was that he used to really, I think he really liked personally Cory Booker. I think he needed to pick a woman and or a person of color. And uh, I think they had a good working relationship. And that that was I couldn't see him picking any number of, like, the black women that were circulating around because their politics were too bad. I mean, Cory Booker's aren't good, but he's kind of jovial and nice and has managed to dodge a lot of the, the kind of smoke that other people have. He hasn't been, like, vocally, you know, anti-socialist, vocally anti-left, you know.
6: I always thought that it was, like, before Bloody Tuesday at least, like, it was a shooting for Elizabeth Warren or Nina Turner. I thought those are the two names that came up in my head, like when when it was all going down.
1: Yeah, I mm, I don't I I don't think it would have been Nina Turner. I think it would have been somebody who had a uh, federal office experience. That's like not my desire. That's not me. That's not me saying it shouldn't have been Nina Turner. That is my perception, and I also just don't feel like. I I'll, I I just I just susp- I don't it didn't feel on the campaign like that.
6: Okay. Um, and next, who do you think in- it would be? Who do you, like who do I? Well, I said I, I think it would either have been well. not that you said that, I guess not Nina Turner. But I thought it. I thought for sure it was either Elizabeth Warren or Nina Turner at the time.
1: I think there's a world where it could have been Elizabeth Warren if she didn't act like such a snake. <laughs> Oh well, yeah, she
6: went like, "Oh, Bernie's a sexist. He doesn't believe women can be president." Like, obviously, he was dead then, but like, you know, because he's not, he's not Joe Biden, and doesn't, you know, pick Kamala Harris after what goes on. Anyways, um, the,
1: or maybe the night- even like a, I think it would have been nice to get someone from like who is from Texas, who's Latino, like one of the Castros, if they hadn't like flamed out so poorly. You know, someone. Someone from a different part of the country. I mean, two New Englanders running, I also don't really like that. If Stacey Abrams hadn't been such a disappointment, there was a world where it could have been her, but she spent the whole year uh, talking about how Bloomberg was the gift, like, gift manna, from, manna from heaven. <laughs> you know.
6: Okay, so... Um... Barbara Lee's too
1: old. Bernie was never going to pick someone who was also like in their 70s. Okay the whole so, thing with Bernie was he's too old he's gonna die right like that was the main attack so like, he to had to honest, pick someone I never who was really young heard that
6: attack well'm sorry I was around like I, to be honest I never really like heard that attack like like when when we were talking about I guess because we were all like in college in college or whatever and anyone's beef with like Bernie was not that he was old like in my circle so I was around right and like for us like like no one cared that he was old back in twenty twenty we cared that Joe Biden's old because he can't talk right but like Bernie being old, like, like, it didn't factor into any of the conversation. Not one conversation had anything to do with Bernie being old in 2020. And I had, like, a ton of them about politics when I was in college.
1: Okay. Well, you know, I was not in college. (laughs) And a lot of people were raising that as an issue, just like they did with Joe Biden. And that's why Joe Biden had to pick also someone who was young and seemed, at least on paper, able to be president, like qualified to be president. And in America, what it means to be qualified to be president is to have been a senator. Okay. So, you know, the, the there's not that many options for non-white senators. Okay. There just aren't.
6: <laughs> so, you know? in, 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 given given the fact that, like, being VP seems to, like, automatically put you to 50-50 shot at being president one day, like, who would you want um, who would you? So basically, the question is like, who would you trust enough to be president one day, or like, for for Marion Williamson in the in this case, who would you want her to pick, or what kind of candidate would you want her to pick, knowing that there's a fifty percent chance this person's going to be uh, president one day?
1: Who would I want to be Marian Williamson's VP? Yeah, uh, I don't know, man. There's like there's Matthew Hull. Okay. <laughs>
6: I'm trying to make this entertaining. I don't know. It's like like it was just dumb questions I wanted to ask. Seeing as
5: how like you were.
1: So no, cute. I appreciate that. that. It's just like, that you know, there's there's. I mean, I I just feel like we all know that there's nobody. So this is just like a rehashing of the disappointing reality that there's nobody.
6: <laughs> I mean, I have <laughs> So it's not your
1: fault. To- I understand that you're trying to do like a fun game, but it's a little stressful because there's nobody.
6: <laughs> you know. I mean, I mean, for me, I I like I my name I immediately went for um Warnock because like the whole spiritual thing and then he's a he's a you know Sure that's cute. religious leader. I think it's cute, yeah, right? Like especially because like the left is the left at least as used to be. I don't think anymore, but it used to be like heavily associated with atheism and like now now that would be like a, a little reversal and like take the whole spirituality like against someone like Trump like I think that would be funny at least to watch. Like you know how the right's supposed to be all like religious or whatever, and you have like two literal, one literal spiritual leader and the other one like an actual religious leader. I think that'd be funny
1: to watch. No, I think I think that would be like very cool. I mean, but you know, he would absolutely never. He he thinks he's going to be president one day for real, and I think he might be, but he will never be if he so much as breathes in Marianne Williamson's direction. So. <laughs>
6: All right. Um, I don't know. Uh, what do you? Last question, I guess. What do you? What are you watching? What has brought you joy this week?
1: Um, I I haven't. I, 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 there's a reason of Working Moms out. I, I guess I've been watching that. Uh, in in between things, as I'm cooking dinner and stuff. (laughs) It's a Canadian show about how horrible motherhood is.
6: Isn't that weird? Like, did you did you experience this? um like canadian cartoons and just like i, I don't know because you know we're, we're different age groups right but like did you experience like the fact that you would sometimes see canadian cartoons and just know that they were a little off and like you didn't know what it was until like you got older and saw that they were canadian
1: um i'm not sure what's a canadian cartoon
6: like uh the, did you watch Little drum island
1: and what heard i heard of
6: total drama island have you heard of total drama island sir
1: i'm 37 okay
6: that's why that's why (laughs) why i'm like i didn't i wouldn't have an example but i i mean like there were a bunch of like canadian cartoons back in the day and i remember like even like early 2000s but you're 37 so i don't know um some people watch cartoons going into their 20s (laughs) me (laughs) Um, (laughs) um but yeah
1: <laughs> Look, I I appreciate your effort at uh, levity, Ayende. Thanks, thanks for calling in.
6: All right, thank you.
1: All right, keep the faith. Um, that was a front one, right? So now I'm jumping around, jumping around. Um, oops, I accidentally closed the thing. Uh, I'm trying to find like new faces but also like some of the new faces are kind of close to the front and I'm like, I'm going to get to you anyway. So let me not call on you. Sierra, what's on your mind? Sierra. Wait. Yeah. Oh, oh shit. So sorry. Sierra, get back in the queue. I'll call on you next. Uh, Michael, sorry. What's on your mind? I don't know. what just happens.
7: Hola. can you hear me? Loud and clear. All right. Um, I just had like two questions. Oh, uh, the first one was uh, for about like Marianne Williamson. Do you think that is hurting her that she's not willing to like go hard on Biden this early? Because I was reading her release when Biden like ran, like announced Mm -hmm. he was running, and she was basically saying like, "Oh, he hasn't done enough," and. I think most people that are going to vote for Biden in the primary just think he's going to be the most electable person. So why do you think it's hard for her to say he can't beat Trump or whoever the Republican nominee is?
1: Um. So Robbie and I had this debate on rising today, whether or not. Um, so people were people were reacting to the fact that JFK had a tweet, I think, today or yesterday, in which he said, I like Biden, but and then that did some criticisms and we were debating whether or not um, Americans like their politicians to have that level of like cordiality with each other. Mm -hmm. And Robbie was saying Americans don't like all the divisiveness. So I think most, I think that's probably a good approach. And I was saying that I, I think you can be cordial and respectful and professional without saying I like per X person. And that I was pointing out how many people were frustrated by Bernie saying my good friend, Joe Biden and all of that. And that, you know, when someone like JFK, RFK Jr., it's like, why do you like him? Like, do you know him? Do you like him because you were at the same wedding and you passed him a canapé and he slapped you on the back? Because that's not being an outsider. That's the definition of being an insider. And that makes me distrust you. Why would you like him? Why would you like someone that has oppressed my people? (laughs) Like, why would you like someone who architected the crime bill? Why would you like someone that... eulogize the segregationist. Why would you like someone that lied about canceling student debt to induce people to come to the polls in Georgia? Why would you like someone who lied about giving out $2,000 checks? Why would you like somebody who is trying to start World War III? Why would you like someone like that? Oh, because you know them because they were nice to you in a hallway or at a party or in the fancy circles that you run in. Mm, Don't like that. You know, I just don't get, I just don't get it. So I think you could say with all due respect for what Biden has accomplished, he hasn't done enough. You can say things like that. Mm -hmm. You can be respectful. But I don't really give a shit if you like someone or not, you know. I, you know, I can like, I can like R. Kelly's music. What does that have to do with anything? Why would I just go out around <laughs> saying that without, you know what I mean? That's like toxic as hell. <laughs> like, True. keep that I, to yourself.
7: <laughs> I, I completely agree, and I do think Marianne is she's going out there saying he's not doing enough. But I don't know if that attacks his electability, which seems to be the number one driver yeah. of a lot of things. Because um, I, I would, I would love to hear a candidate say this other candidate cannot win. Which is why I'm running, because if if you say they're not doing enough, that doesn't mean you need to run. You can convince them to do more if you think they can win, right? like that that's That's the line of logic that I'm going through.
1: yeah, I mean i think I think there's like a gap between like Bernie's re- revolutionary rhetoric mm-hmm. and then saying things like, "I like Joe Biden." You know, do you think yeah. that it's like literally immoral and unconscionable? That people, are, you know, tens of thousands of people are dying every year because they don't have health care and that Joe Biden's the guy who's doing it? Do you actually think that? Because if so, and you know that he has the powers that he has, then you have a weird ethical metric for who you like and what, you know, and Biden isn't like isn't like your friend. Who works at a bank and does some stuff they probably don't like but feels like oh what am i gonna do i went to business school biden is the president of the united states of america and he has real power and he's not answering to anybody and every choice that he makes is his own you know mm-hmm. i i just i don't get it and 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 Rob, and i said to robbie like bernie was very respectful in 2016. he even went too far i would argue and was like i don't want to talk about hillary's emails but you never heard him say i like hillary clinton
7: that's a good point. That's a good point.
1: So it's possible. They know how to do it.
7: <laughs> okay. Um, and I guess my next question was about the interview with um, Marjorie Taylor Green. Um, mm-hmm. I'm wondering, did Ryzen or anyone from the Hill ever reach out to AOC to get her in on an interview? Cause it, it's, it's weird. I think they do. Yeah, they, okay. they
1: repeatedly, and they might have stopped doing it, you know, cause there's only so much point when you get so many, re- you know, so many rejections. But they, they've definitely asked routinely, all, yeah. all, of the, all of the squad members.
7: I swear they're ducking you, man. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. <You> know. <laughs> okay. That's all I had. Keep up the good work.
1: Thank you. Thanks for calling in.
7: Keep We're the faith. You too.
1: I need to tell my own damn angry-ass self to keep the faith. <laughs> all right. Where did you go, um, the person I just nexted by accident? Uh, who was that, Sierra? Did you not get back in the queue? No, Sierra. I see your back red. I'm looking forward to talking to you, but I gotta jump around in the queue first. So let's do Rex. What's on your mind, Rex?
8: Hi. Hi. Oh, wait. Is it? Are you gonna hear me? Loud and clear. Great.
1: Yeah. No. How are you, Bree? I'm doing all right. Really- how are you?
8: I'm all right. Um, I wasn't expecting to uh, show up, but here I am. Um, I'm really glad I I haven't watched today's episode, but I just listened to your part of the interview with Shama. Really glad whenever she was on the show, it's been on my mind for like several times that she's been on. Um, Just how I, obviously I don't want to politician worship anyone, but I really respect Shama. I really think she's amazing. As I feel like a lot of us do really glad that she, you guys connected. I was so excited when she first came on the podcast. Um, I feel like we talk about litmus tests among week within the left, and I think for me, when it comes to other leftist shows or YouTube, YouTubers or podcasts, I'm always curious or interested as to how they respond to Shama. Just mm. something I've noticed. Other politicians too. Um, I remember there was, it was maybe a year ago or something. You were a part of a. Panel with other progressives, with Crystal Ball and Marianne Williamson, and there were a few other people running that they were raising money for. And you have mm-hmm. i think you were the most anti-establishment person on the panel, which was really, or like most pro-third-party person on the panel, which was much appreciated. One of those people, she was from New York. She ended up, ended up calling me. I forget what her name was. She called me to thank me for my donation. It was actually my mom's donation, but it was mm-hmm. through my PayPal account, so I got the phone call. And I mentioned Shama to her, and she was all excited. And then all of a sudden, I could hear her like looking it up, and she went, Oh, oh, oh. Or like, it was like, once she knew who it was, it totally (sighs) shifted. And she was like, Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I guess I'll look a little bit more into that person. But like, at first, when I mentioned who it was, like, the idea of Shama, like she's not taking any money and she's doing all these good things for working people mm-hmm. out in the Pacific Northwest. She was like, Oh, that sounds like someone I should get to know better. And then it's like when that clicked and she realized it was like socialist alternative or something. Um, it was like a total mood change or like yeah. she was very dismissive or like, it, I, like, I was like, yeah, well keep her in mind. Cause she's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like Kyle Kalinsky says nice things every like maybe like i haven't watched kyle klinsky in a while but like it seems like very tepidly or like she's barely mentioned and then people always get mad at jimmy Dore for jimmy Dore being jimmy Dore, and yet he's a big shama supporter and obviously rbn and you um so that's my person one of i don't think i have a lot of litmus tests but i think that's one kind of benchmark for me is how do people react or respond to shama
1: yeah i think I I think a lot of people, if, if you at all care about kind of establishment legitimacy, no, you're not going to, you're not going to, socialist alternative, are you kidding me? People can barely handle DSA, mm-hmm. you know, so there are people who are going to reject an organization that they think is overly radical out of hand, and that's just, that that is a kind of a tell. It, it's a tell about how much you still want to be able to play ball right I mean, it's
8: not I like I, i'm not i'm not like i'm expecting everyone to automatically love her but it's just like
1: or know her like if if, if, if i don't know a person you just tell me about the person i'm not going to jump up and down with joy you know I, I appreciate wanting to vet somebody for sure
8: oh sure 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 i'm just saying I all mean, right and then also when it comes back to youtube um youtube personalities it just seems like they're for for so many people that claim to be progressive or, or socialist friendly Or for the working class it seems like shama is not on as many shows as she should be um that's just i would agree yeah
1: i mean i don't even remember how did i how did i come across her i think i saw her do an interview on democracy now that was kind of old i think it was like after after bernie lost i was frustrated with the dsa and maybe like also after force of vote I think I went actively looking for something else and found them. And then I I was just going to, like, I I didn't see, I didn't know Shama because I saw her on another program. Mm -hmm. I was looking for an organization to belong to. You know, it was like COVID, like I was sitting at home all day and feeling like I should do something. And I frankly was just trying to, like, give money. (laughs) Like, I was just trying to be a member the way I'm, like, a member of DSA. But they don't allow that. And so when I sent an email like, oh, how do I give money? They were like, well, you got to join and you got to meet with someone every week and do reading and have an hour long conversation about the reading for like two months. And I was like, oh, OK. Yeah.
5: Yeah. And I
1: did it. And and I obviously started, you know, to know Shama more through that process. Um, but you're right. Like I, I'm not, I, you know, obviously Shama had. A great deal of notoriety because of her political achievements and i am i am in no way trying to (laughs) insert myself into her incredible story but my my feeling from a left media perspective is that basically nobody was talking about her until i had on my my show
8: yeah i mean that's well i remember it being a big deal like so like i think it was like a day or two before a text went around or I saw some message in a Facebook group or something where it's like, we're trying to get Shama on bad faith. And I was like, yes, mm-hmm. like, please, the, the two of you come to get, like, please come together, please cross paths. And I'm, I was very glad um, that that happened. Cause I, I've been want- listening to the show since I think like the third episode, I think Your bad faith. And I've been, I, so I did the same thing. I, or I had a similar trajectory of becoming a, a part of social alternative. And yet I, had things going on in my life where I couldn't keep up with the the meetings, so at this point I'm mm-hmm. I'm donating money, which I'm happy to do. Yeah, I'm um, also but I'm
1: lapsed. Not, the problem I'm is not the active, meetings on Thursday. <laughs> huh? What was that? The meetings the meetings ended up being at the same time as Collins, and then also right. and then also like they don't have a DC chapter, so they were virtual for me anyway. hmm. These I'm just making excuses, but yeah.
8: No, I want to be more involved at some point, but I'm, I'm happy to also donate. Like that was, that was important. Um, But no, that, so I just wanted to, that was something that's had been on my mind, I think for like six months was to call it and be like, this is just a a thought that I've noticed or I've noticed a pattern as to the, the channels, the YouTube channels that don't mention Shama at all. The ones that seem very tepid or like they say they support her, but they don't have her on or, um, it's very, like, minimalist. If they talk about her, it's for, like, two minutes. I feel like there was a Kyle Kalinske video where he really praised her, but he talked about her for, like, two minutes. I'm like okay, like, something's funny there. And then there are the channels that really do uh, highlight her or, or or bring her up, and, and I feel like that's an interesting filter or, you know, interesting litmus test. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention that I didn't get a chance to the last time I called in is I will never forget the Force to Vote victory lap episode of this show. I think I've listened to it a couple of times if I ever feel like I'm having a bad day or something. I really appreciated your energy on that, Colin, and I feel like you should perpetually carry that forward. Always be in that victory lap, Bree.
1: <laughs> well, maybe I should go back and listen to it to perk myself. Well, back I, up.
8: I was just excited to, to listen, but like there was like 20 minutes of straight fire from you, which was fully warranted. And just very energizing and like, oh, if, I ever, if I'm ever like kind of sluggish, it's like, oh, I could listen to that episode again. It'll get <laughs> me going. So yeah, I may, well, maybe I need
1: to follow your advice then. I'll listen to it myself maybe when I'm uh, on a run or but something. But yeah, never today.
8: never let, like, like don't ever forget that you, or it's, it's totally warranted. Like, it wasn't like, oh, my God, you're going off the rails and it's it's uh, a, a bit too much. It's like, no, I'm here for it and I'm probably going to listen to this multiple times again because it was... Uh, it definitely warranted uh, a sense of emotion. So just giving you that, that credit where credit is due.
1: Well, thank you, Rex, and thanks for calling in.
8: Yeah, I'll call in again some other time, but thank you for, for all that you do, and thank you for having the show.
1: All right. Keep the faith, my friend.
8: Right back at you.
1: Red! Chicago Red!
9: Yo, what's the word, Bree? How have you been? We've missed you! oh my god damn it's been a wild shit <laughs> i feel like it's oh, been months like
1: since we heard your voice
9: the holidays that's I that was the last time i called
1: oh my goodness gracious i don't even know how we've persisted you know this is red you not calling me I'm regularly is too, why i'm about to say too before i start talking
9: shit what i miss.
1: I'm telling you, that there's been lower... The view counts have been going down on these shows across the app, and I think it's because you haven't been participating on Call-In, Red.
9: The people, uh, the people
1: came for you.
9: Oh, no. Come on now. <laughs> what the hell y'all want to listen to me? <laughs> what the hell y'all want to listen to me for? But, man, I don't know. It's just like, what? Just give the crash course of where I've been or just... Oh God, yeah, literally. how are been, you doing?
1: Missing, uh, been... What have you nah, been thinking about? What's on your mind? I'm,
9: I'm bet I mean, I'm better. I mean, I'm better now. I just, I had so much going on during that last time when I called, it was mm-hmm. even before. But then it just became too much, and I was just like, okay, I kind of need a break. I need. I had some family issues going on, mm-hmm. and I was just so stressed to the point that I was like getting sick, and I literally got sick. I called COVID for the first damn time.
1: Oh no! Hey. Wow, you made it a long time.
9: I know three years, so. Oh, (laughs) that's a feat in and of
1: itself. Okay, so are you doing okay now?
9: Yeah, I mean, and then, I mean, after, but it's kind of like after that, everything's kind of gotten good, you know, I just kind of stay grounded and kind of stay to myself. And then I have to, and then I have to fuck up. I'm I'm in college now.
1: (laughs)
5: Oh, Oh.
9: fuck my life. Yeah
1: wait we're not happy about
9: it we're not having hell wait, no not, send, no hell no send help i fucking hate school <laughs> what hey, do you hate shit. about it everything man this is it's worse than <laughs> online because now there ain't nobody to talk to all i can do is just do my work and i'm just like
1: shit wait uh, you, you don't shit. have you don't you don't talk to any of your classmates They're no
9: cool. i'm on nope i'm online no i'm online i'm i don't get to see nobody i don't get to talk to nobody i mean sometimes i get to talk in the comment sections and stuff for certain lectures and Oof, stuff but
1: comment sections that's bleak you guys don't you don't you don't try to schedule some meetups or anything
9: no i actually got to talk to my counselor about that now but i've raised a little bit of, i've raised a little bit of hell in the comment section <laughs> i bet you have. a little bit <laughs> what have you been saying in the comment section red it just be other it's just be other students we got to talk about certain stuff in lectures and shit so i took like a organizational leadership class and i was just kind of like Oh my God, it was, it was funny. I remember the biggest one I got was just like questions. Everybody, it was like questioning everybody's integrity. And it was just like, okay, so I don't know how into politics anybody here is, but I would just go ahead and say I'm some sort of independent leftist and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, mm-hmm. I sparked a whole damn debate about money in politics. And it was just kind of funny. Hearing oh
4: this, Lord. Hearing this
9: shit earlier and I was just like, <laughs> Y'all, listen, I mean, and I'm in school for financial planning, so I'm trying to go deep cover with this shit because I'm really just (laughs) trying to figure out, like, okay, where the hell is all of this supposed money that we supposedly don't have but we do have for other shit? Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Okay so how what was the what was the read on the room like did, were there any allies in there were there any is there anybody else who kind of was also on that that leftist leaning tip or
9: everybody just thought like well money and politics is just hand in hand i mean we we donate to politicians and i mean it's like, yeah but there's there's a difference between us donating to politicians and like lobbyists and corporate packs and super packs and all of that shit listen y'all I forgot. I forgot what the. I forgot what the fuck happened. But I'm just like. I'm just saying. Listen. Any anything that got like six. Anything that got like six figures and up. You definitely gonna want to hear what that motherfucker got to say. So, mm-hmm. money is definitely priority everywhere, especially anywhere in the capitalist system. Trust me. I'm de- Trust me. I'm dealing with like a bunch of finance nerds now. That are just like, nope. Nope, 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 nope. Money, it, it, everything has everything has a price to it. Like nothing is free. They was like even yeah. questioning my. Po- they was even questioning my politics. Like, oh, you worked on a Bernie campaign and all that shit. And I was like, eh, yeah, I mean, I did it for free. I was a volunteer. I wasn't working for him. It was like you mm-hmm. was getting something out of it. But uh, fuck. But nah, fuck school. That shit is already giving me a headache. What's <laughs> that? And I'm having a baby. <laughs> Oh, congratulations. Oh, I think I literally found that out like a week. Like a week wow. after I got like the week after podcast or two weeks after. I call, yeah. And that's kind of what's like anchored me down to like get to like stop stressing about like the bullshit, like with a lot of this bullshit. But I got a, yeah, I got a baby coming, I got a baby boy coming. Oh, so, I'm, baby ha- I'm happy man. I'm happy as hell, man, and that's oh. good news for us. Cause guess what? Look, we gonna fight and we are gonna go hard for it. But just in case we can't make some change, revolution ain't dying.
1: We got we got we baby got, reds gonna run the revolution we if we don't for,
9: succeed. We got a good, we got another good, we got another good forty years. By the time it's time for us to like hang
1: it up, <laughs> we got another soldier in the battle cause of baby red. Thank you, thank you, Matt, for your service.
5: And I'm sad. I'm
9: saying. y'all, I'm saying Take, take Bree out the game, take me out the game. I don't want to see this next one. I'm ready for him to be straight savage. He ain't gonna give no fuck. He ain't gonna give. He ain't gonna have no fuck. He ain't gonna have no. He ain't gonna have no Barack
1: Obama nostalgia. He, he ain't gonna have none of that shit. Oh, somebody said a
9: bad for baby. I'm laughing. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Oh my god! And i i mean, that's that's kind of like the only thing, and it was just that's my like kind of the only thing I got to look forward to because I honestly thought, and I don't know, I've been gone for so damn long, Brie. I don't know what the fuck is going on on this show. I tried to like catch up real fast i'm just like okay it's and that's the reason why i'm calling in because it's finals weeks for me so i'm actually gonna get ready and take a break so i'm just okay. like woo, freedom
1: <laughs> well take care of your in and school and everything and you know whenever you have time to come back we love to hear you you haven't missed much you know how the world you, is i
9: mean but you i mean yeah but you know it's still just trying to like catch up i honestly thought it was I, I i don't know if y'all had it already yet but i honestly thought today's episode was gonna be like a funeral for the left or some shit or like the Bernie movement finally busted some shit because it was just like I listened to the uh I listened to today's episode. I mm-hmm. haven't really been following on I haven't been really following on rising because that's when I was about to tweak. I was like, wait a minute, Marjorie Taylor Green, wait, I didn't see that episode. <laughs> but that was on rising. When, y'all, when you talk to mm-hmm. MTG, clout chasing mm-hmm. ass. <laughs> I didn't see that.
1: Yeah, it was you know it was a good get by the uh, the bookers. I'm not sure how they made that happen, um, but it was. it felt. I don't know. It felt productive. It felt I like say, I wait, earned I my salary scared. today.
9: But I was like, oh shit, she finally got tired of talking to Rokana, and not, but but <laughs> this is where we. But Bree, this is where we're going. I <laughs> gonna, you
1: know Look, saying? I would happily have her. I mean, I would love to be able to ask her all of the follow-up questions that I could ask her in like 50 minutes on the podcast.
9: Oh, hell no. Man, you know, she Marjorie could come Taylor, on and we could... If Marjorie Taylor Greene come on before, a, before AOC comes... 100% before AOC that's comes what's going really to happen. We might really have to reconsider this whole left shit. If, the wings if I were a betting...
1: Be yeah, look, if I were a betting woman, if I were uh, Sean McElway, I would 100% bet on marjorie Taylor Green coming on Bad Faith podcast before AOC. 100%. 100%, no question.
9: God help us. <laughs> oh I mean, my god. <laughs> but no, I didn't get but no, I didn't get to watch that. I didn't get to watch that, so I got to uh, got I got to catch up and I guess I got to come back on and just, about that, I was honestly trying to read like comments, and I was hoping other people would call in before me. I was like, "All right, let me let me hear, uh, let me see if I could just catch something real quick." <laughs> why was we talking? Why, no why are we talking it's- to Marjorie Taylor Green? um <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck is going on? Marjorie well, Taylor Green, it's, it's
1: up. I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's up. It's up on Rising. It's about twenty minutes long. You know, it's not going anywhere, so take your time. Watch it on double speed, save yourself ten minutes, all of that stuff. But it's just really good to hear your voice read.
9: Oh my God. It it feels good to be back, man. And I appreciate all of the comments, man. Cause I just was driving it, then I started looking at comments. Everybody's like, Red bag, everybody, you time for red come on. <laughs> I'm like, Y'all wait, hold on. I ain't been on for a fucking minute. Wait, shit. Y'all want me Y'all don't want me talking this shit. Last time I talked to y'all. By the way, uh, student loans haven't gotten canceled yet, right?
1: Nope.
9: Yeah, see, that's how long out of the loop I've been. That was a hopeful pipe dream that at least 10 of them were was going to be gone.
1: And now Biden's talking about uh, turning the payments back on later this year. So if anybody has any questions about whether or not I'm going to be voting for this gentleman, I'm going to be aggressively telling people under no circumstances should they (laughs) vote for Joe Biden if he turns her student debt back on.
9: Uh, shaking my ass. So yeah, that's that's just sad. So my only thing—that's all I said. Like I was listening to the one episode, and then there was definitely the back and forth with like, should we even entertain someone like a Marion Williamson or a Robin Kennedy? Mm-hmm. I'm a look Am I listen? Am I the only one that's nervous that another Kennedy is running right now? Because nervous in now, what way? We all know what the fuck happened to these Kennedys the moment they even try to get into an office somewhere. I, I, I'm not gonna lie,
4: it hurts me.
1: Especially because I mean, of what he's talking about. I mean, going like coming out strong and going after like the FBI and saying the deep state killed my family and all of that. You know, it's a little bit. It feels a little bit like uh, kicking the beehive. I gotta say, kicking the FBI
9: hive. I'm saying, I'm like, my boy, do you not know what these people did to your pops, to your pops, to, your unc- to uh, mm-hmm. I'm sitting mm-hmm. like, do we, do we not need to be worried about this? Uh, man, I, I don't care about this, pri- man, I don't even care about this primary, I'm not voting for none of these motherfuckers. It's like I said, <laughs> that's why I was like, I'm shocked, I thought this was going to be like the left funeral, so I was like, alright, let me check in and see how we feeling, because I was really trying to ask how we how did you feel about seeing your old boss our old our old og bernie just flat out endorse biden like
1: wasn't like wild about that. it crystal, crystal actually had a great radar today about it someone on twitter flied it for me and it was really good
9: uh, i, I mean that. it just
1: feels it feels like it's 2020 like i literally it was april of 2020 when he was doing the shit the last time i mean it and, like endorsing biden asked- after like a few days.
9: I mean, at least for 2020, he asked for something which we still didn't get. So that's why I'm like fucked up about it. So I'm just like, yeah, this, this. Yeah, but we'll How much buzz- leverage? How much
1: leverage do you have to ask for something if you only even made him sweat for like five days before you told him that you were going to endorse him, and then he has you have nothing over him. You can ask all day and night, but it doesn't mean I'm going to. I have to give you anything. Who? Deanna was saying power concedes nothing without demand. A- absolutely. And Bernie knows this. And it's like what what was I remember I remember watching they did like a virtual interview thing uh right after he endorsed. And, yeah, and in it remember. Bernie was like, And and Biden, I uh, we had a conversation about how important it is to get a fifty dollar minimum wage and you've said that this is gonna be your highest priority. And Biden's like, Yeah, totally.
9: <laughs> yeah, well somebody should call the parliamentarian and had them in on that phone call to stress <laughs> the importance of that shit. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, between that and then, it's just like Shama just saying, "Look, I, I ain't putting no, I ain't putting no name and backing into none of these motherfuckers, R- RFK, Mary Well, and it's like I, I get it because I'm kind of there. It's just like y'all know what y'all just take at this rate. If it's been, a, y'all, it if it is been, a, if it has to be Biden versus Trump again, I'm just, I'm just gonna sit back and just let the left and the right fight this one out.
1: I don't yeah, just- I mean, do we know anything about who the Green Party candidate is this year?
9: Do, I haven't heard the shit. Does chat know?
1: Have they decided?
9: I haven't heard shit. Y'all, y'all yeah. see me. I'm still asking. Y'all, I'm still looking through comments trying to like catch up. I'm still trying to get answers on the MTG shit.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's. I mean, there's
1: nothing to really know about the MTG. We just interviewed her today on Rising. There's no real backstory there. All
9: right, that's that's just one thing. <laughs> well, Bree, oh my God. I'm just gonna I'm, have I'm, to be back. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy
1: to hear you. I'm so glad to hear about the baby coming. That's such an exciting time to be in. It's such exciting news. Congratulations to you and your partner. I'm so excited to have another comrade in the struggle. Take yes, care of yourself. Is. Give them the business in that comment section in your class because you know you're right and they need to learn something today and it's not going to be from the teacher. It's going to be from Red.
9: Oh, shit. Don't get me started. I already got another <laughs> class. I, it's like at this point now I'm planning my classes. It's like I'm planning classes out and then it like hit me like, ah, shit, I'm going to have to talk to people. This has been a-
1: <laughs> I, I hope you guys do figure out how to meet up because I think you, you it might it might be, you know, a um, easier, more pleasurable Fun, more fun experience if you can do it feeling at least like you can put a face to some of the names in the chat group
9: yeah i'm gonna start putting them up but if and don't be mad at me but like that was a, that's another thing too like when i fell off because um I'm like i gotta like reevaluate some finances to make room for this little motherfucker to come his way into the world so mm-hmm. I haven't even I haven't even been on Patreon for a minute. So that was another reason why I felt like I didn't feel right calling in because I'm like I'm not listening to the Patreon fellows. I'm no, kind of YouTube banded. I'm kind of YouTube banded out here right now. I I need a minute. My Patreon bill was like so damn high. I'm like, man. i I'm, I'm don't don't subscribe. Red unsubscribe. No, Red, unsubscribe. No, 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 no. <laughs>
10: If
1: you're a subscriber now, send me a message, and I'll just and we'll exchange e- emails, and I'll just send you the links.
9: No, Bree, you it's, don't it's, got Bree. No, no, no Brie, it'll be it's my it's I my got, baby I, shower
1: I, gift to baby Red. Baby Red is our baby now, it. and we need Brie, to provide for him.
9: Bree, just keep Bree, just keep doing you. He got Bree, just keep doing you. He ain't got too many big cousins. He don't got too many big cousins to look up to, and it's already bad enough that part of the reason like a lot of my family members got mad at me is because I changed my last name from Gray to like my dad's last name so it's just like nope the little one needs a big cousin to look up to so <laughs> alright alright cousin going I forgot on we on the were gray side. so you're all he got <laughs> so no <we> gonna, <laughs> he gonna pay I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably just thug it out of YouTube bandit it out until honestly <laughs> I can possibly, I'm possibly probably gonna come back in the summer cause I can possibly go back to work more uh, he, well, he'll be straight we'll be he'll be straight we'll be straight i just i was just going through a lot with like family and just getting sick and but at school but
11: everything is fine, free. trust me
9: i am fine i am fine don't worry okay. about me and i probably have to go on another hiatus i'll let you know and then i'll just i'll probably just i don't know i don't know how to i don't like dm and big I don't like DMing big personalities, even when they do kind of know my face, because they'll just kind of be like, okay, wait, Red, who the fuck is this?
1: No, Red, just, I, if you change your mind, just DM me and I'll send you, I'll just send you the links. I'll just send you the, the, the links to the, to the episodes. Also, um, we're family. So, you know, it's really NBD. We're all rooting for you. We're all sending a lot of positive energy out in the universe for you and baby Red and I can't wait till you call in next. Whenever you're comfortable, no pressure. Whenever you have time, don't be stressing about it. We're just sending positive energy out into the world for you and this wonderful new life that's coming into it. All right?
9: Appreciate it. All right, wait, let me get back onto this damn app. And then, okay. Man, I don't know. You can hang up on me, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got you. All right. Keep the faith, Red.
9: But keep the faith, y'all. I'll tune in so.
1: All right. Uh, let me go to Aaron. What's in your mind tonight, Aaron?
12: Hey, Jimmy, me a second to find the mute button. Can you hear me?
1: I can hear you loud and clear.
12: I got to say, red is like uh, people like red, and why I like listening to this show so much. But anyway, mm-hmm. I'm calling today because um, the first time I called, this is my third time calling. The very first time I called, I mentioned that I had recently turned 50. Mm-hmm. And the one of the things about being 50 that I was kind of enjoying was that there's certain things I just kind of stopped giving a shit about. Just sort of <laughs> organically, like, things sort of seemed to bother me less. And you asked for an example, and I couldn't think of one on the spot, but there was one that came up the other day, which I thought was kind of perfect. Mm-hmm. So... One thing that's always bothered me is, you know, sometimes when you're at the grocery store, they will be like, you know, the Wheaties box will have like a corner dented or the label will be ripped on a can or something. Mm-hmm. That's always really bothered me my whole life. It's it's kind of neurotic and like my kids are <laughs> embarrassed and whatever. So, you know, I will actually go back and, you know, swap it out. Well, since I turned 50, I haven't stopped being bothered by labels that are messed up in that, but I have stopped giving a shit if people see me swapping it out. For-
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like that twist. <laughs> yeah, no, that's relatable. That's relatable. I'm going, I'm going to be out from rising next week. Cause I'm, I'm going on vacation with a couple of my friends and I was like stressing about, Oh man, I got to put this bathing suit on. And like, am I in shape and all of this? And then we were all texting on the thread about it. And we've known each other since we were 18. And we we're like, why are we still doing this? Who is this for? We're 37. <laughs> like we're not posting a bunch of pics on instagram anymore like who is this for right. like who is it like t- t- two girls and our gay best friend are going to the beach literally who cares what any of us look like so we all made a pact to eat well sleep well and to not give a fuck so i, I i'm slowly shedding some of these things that i used to care a lot about too because five to six years ago i would have been like these are my outfits we have to get pictures in all these outfits. I'm going to time these photos in this number of reels. <laughs> Remember reels? And space them out and all of this stuff. So, you know, growth. Age is great. Right
12: on. All right. Well, I don't need to bogart the whole call. You have other people to queue. So.
1: Hardly bogarting, but it's really nice to hear from you,
12: Aaron. Keep all the right. Faith. I appreciate it. I the other day and wanted to call it. So keep the faith. Take care.
1: Take care. All right, Chris, what's in your mind tonight? You with us, Chris? Can yes, can you hear me? Yes. What's okay, in your okay. mind? Uh,
10: well, I did watch the interview this morning. Uh, I, I was as soon as, as soon as that came on, I was just trying to imagine, like, <laughs> how your ability to keep, like, a polite straight face while I know you're probably, like, wanting to explode on Marjorie Taylor Greene was kind of a little fun thing for me. Um, and then I didn't That's even know about job. the same <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, I feel like, yeah, I, I guess you guys have had some people on there that I'm sure you've like, have said some shit before, but it was just like Marjorie Taylor Greene is kind of like, I don't know, to, to our side, kind of like what AOC would be to like Marjorie Taylor Greene fans or something like that. I don't know. I just couldn't imagine like AOC going on, I don't know Ben Shapiro show or something like that and getting such a, a polite respectful <laughs> Yeah, I think interview.
1: that's I think that's fair. Although I don't know if that's exactly the analogy because this is a show I mean rising isn't exactly you know, I think Ben Shapiro show would be more like uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene sitting down with Chank.
10: Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know,
1: um, the whole point of rising is to talk to people who clearly have an ability to talk to their ideological opposites because Robbie and I sit there in the chair every day, you know?
10: Yeah. Yeah. I thought you did a good job. Um, I thought she just, I was actually, I don't want to make this sound like I was impressed by her in a good way. I was impressed by the fact that she was um, much better at lying than I was expecting because I'd never (laughs) really seen too many interviews with her. So I was expecting her just to kind of say crazy shit, but she Mm -hmm. actually sounded like, a well-polished politician and that really shocked me i was like oh shit i'm actually more scared of her now after seeing that
1: <laughs> yeah i think so. that's important and and some of the things that, that diana were saying are important too about how she's perceived in the state um and how she's seen as a fighter for the for her constituents and how she yeah. you know she knows how to say things you know use use frankly populist language about how corruption is bad and drain the swamp and all of that stuff it's like true And it's, I don't know, it's harder, it's harder to actually drill down and expose the extent to which they're not acting on that stuff than it is just to say that they're lying or than it is to say, you know, they're just a bad person. Look at all these bad things that they said. And clearly she said a lot of bad things, right? But the people who like her already know she said those bad things and they don't care. And the reason they don't care is because they see all these other good things. So my view is that you have to challenge people on the good things that people do like them for because they are, you know, they've already made a decision to out that the good outweighs the bad. So focusing on the bad isn't going to really get you very far.
10: Yeah, I I thought you did a good job asking questions and um, her questions kind of I feel like anybody that's kind of aware of, I don't know, things in politics kind of exposed her as being kind of just full of crap. But, well, um, yeah, I was, I was very shocked when I woke up and popped on rising and I was like, holy shit, Marley, Marjorie Taylor, great. Really? I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if it was going to be one of those interviews where, uh, cause I know before when they, I think it was Fauci, like they didn't let, um, what's the girl's name that kicked off Kim. Um, Kim I they, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think they let her be a part of that. It was just like Robbie interviewing Fauci, if I remember correctly. So I wasn't sure if you were even going to be a part of it. And then I saw you were, I was like, oh, this should be good. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, the circumstances around Kim not being on were complicated and beyond my pay grade. Yeah, um, yeah. It was a day that she wasn't supposed to be on, but she um, would have wanted to be on. And when she realized it was happening and she wanted to be on, if uh, I'm not going to get into it. Because I, I wasn't even like really on the show like that at the time. I was still kind of guesting.
10: I'm sorry? I said I wasn't even like a... I don't even think I was fully watching at the time because I, I missed that interview. and I only heard about it when it was mentioned in, like, past tense.
1: Yeah. I mean, the long and short of it is I feel like Kim should have been a part of that interview.
10: Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and then the AOC interview, like, I didn't even know about it until you mentioned it on the, the opening of the show. So I was kind of, like, reading the transcript while I was kind of waiting in line. And um, it was pretty standard AOC responses to questions. So... I didn't feel like there was anything bombshell in there,
1: yeah um, i mean david David asks the questions very politely, but he did get some stuff in there, you know, and I felt you know she, she, you know he did ask her about the rail strike and why did you feel like you needed to do it, and you know not everyone not everyone voted that way, I mean, I would have liked some follow ups obviously, she used that excuse where she says. Um, this is what the rail workers wanted. Of course, it's not true. As we went over in the podcast. Uh, yeah. United secretary, I believe, wrote an article in Jacobin about how he felt like AOC was re- misrepresenting their position. Um, and of course, it is also true that Biden could give the rail workers sick days by executive order. He has chosen not to do that. Uh and on and on and on. So it, I think it it was it is good to have her on the record saying those things. And I'm I'm glad look, if I'm too spicy for AOC, I'm very glad that she's at least willing willing to sit submit to an interview with David Saruda because I think we got some useful stuff out of it.
10: Yeah, I was I was actually impressed by that. Um because David Saruda I think's one of the better journalists at uh in in the field. So I was for pretty sure. impressed by that. Um the one thing, I guess, well, I, I wasn't planning on asking this, but then the more I was sitting there and hearing some other people talk, especially I think that uh, Deanna lady. I know the the previous, every because it's like every, the last couple of elections, like the left's always kind of in this position where it's like, we know the Democrats are going to fuck us and we know the Republicans obviously suck. But how do we get leverage from Democrats if we keep voting for Democrats? Mm-hmm. Um And in 2016, you know, there were a lot of people, obviously, after what they all the stuff they pulled on Bernie were like, no, we need to sit this one out. And people were like, no, you can't because if Trump wins, you know, he's going to bring back public lynchings, gay people are going to have all their rights taken away, and all these things. Mm -hmm. And none of that stuff happened. Um, And then 2020, Joe Biden, we had to vote for Joe Biden because we couldn't allow a second Trump term because. I don't know what the real threat was at that point because it's like none of the stuff they threatened us with in 2016 happened. So Well,
1: it was COVID.
10: Oh, okay. It was – there's
1: a pandemic that's killing people In
5: That's right. That's right. Trump can't well, be yeah. trusted was,
10: to do It was like, so the protests happen and you're telling me I now have to vote for a guy who architect the crime bill that yeah. resulted in like a third of all black men being in all of his other bad, horrible records. Um, so that was just weird. So now I'm like, here we are 2024. We're facing that same situation again. <laughs> I'm like, is this, is this an election where we can finally just, you know, tell the Democrats like, hey, we're not going to vote for you. <laughs> well, I, have, yeah. I haven't since 2012, but or 20, 2008. I think that was the last time I voted for a Democrat was 2008. I, but.
1: I strongly feel like it is ne- not only necessary, a campaign to explain why people should not vote for Biden. Mm-hmm. I, I, my personal feeling is that the amount of attention that could get and the opportunities for the left to explain everything that's wrong with the Democratic Party.
5: Election of duty
1: to just let the primaries go by and not weigh in because you feel like doing so is somehow endorsing the Democratic Party. My view my view is that because it's a primary, we have even more of an opportunity to make our case because there's no argument that you're throwing the thing to Trump. The reason why Democrats hate ranked choice voting is because the second that first-past-the-post voting goes away, they no longer have the, oh, but you're throwing the election to the other guy argument. And that is literally all they have. So in the context of a primary... When they literally don't have that argument because it's a a fucking primary. It's a primary. (laughs) Um, I really feel like if I had my druthers, if I were running the left, if I if I could get big accounts like the Pacman's and the, you know, all of those kind of more centric T Y, Arguing that absolutely no one should vote for Biden in the Democratic primary. I would say, let's register people. Let's make sure people are going to go out and vote and vote for literally anybody, but Joe Biden. Now I have my personal preferences from a policy perspective, but the most important thing is that it's not Biden. And there needs to be a clear message to the democratic party, that if he wins the primary, it's by the skin of his teeth. And he in no way has a mandate. And to the extent that they want to make that argument that, well, if it's a contested primary, it hurts the candidate in the general. Okay. I'm going to hurt you so much harder in the general, unless you give us a fair shake in the primary. Oh, you're concerned about your candidate getting? Hit. I might be gloves off. I might, I might not gloves off, hands off. I might give you some leniency and back off in the general election if we lose the primary fair and square. But if we don't lose it fair and square, I'm going to make your life living hell, and you're going to wish you were George McGovern. Yeah. Like to that, me, that's, that's the a, posture.
10: Yeah that that's the thing for me is like I I I'm, I'm not going to say I would have no problem, but I would I would do it. In a general, like I would vote for Democrats in the general if they were just fair in the primaries. <laughs> like what they did to right. Bernie was like, that's what made it to where I was like, I can never support this party again because, you know, up until 2016, I didn't really follow primaries too much. I usually just kind of would follow the, the until it got down to like one or two people or something like that. But, um, once I was, cause I was, I was a Bernie. What pretty early, and then seeing like the way the media was kind of purposefully like pretending he didn't exist and covering Trump all the time, and then in twenty twenty when they got all those people to like collude together like on Super Tuesday, I was like, holy crap! Like yep. this is this is next level. Like I can't really I can't support them in the general after this. Like, that's just yeah. It's like encouraging them to continue fixing the primaries and a hundred percent. The only place where progressives
5: really
1: And and look, I understand if you think that presidential politics on the whole is stupid and useless. I mean, that's fine. But like if most look, most people <laughs> don't feel that way. So for us in our little bubble, fine, don't vote, whatever. But in terms of a campaign that can actually galvanize more normies out there who are definitely going to vote and they're going to vote for Biden, like yeah. this isn't for us. We can all continue not voting for Biden. Like, I'm not gonna vote for Biden. Like me personally, Breonna J. Gray, who doesn't even live in a state and is completely disenfranchised right now in Washington DC? No, who cares? Absolutely not. But there are a bunch of normies who we all know are gonna trot out there and vote for Biden. There there are people who are gonna vote for Biden in the primary saying, Oh, I hate him, but he's gonna win anyway. Then why are you even voting? Like why even participate in a primary? You're literally throwing away your vote if you vote for Joe Biden in the primary.
10: Yeah. Well, I mean, I understand why they think that is because they have most of the major media telling them pretty much nonstop for going on eight years now that if they don't vote for Hillary or Joe Biden, that they're basically voting for a return to slavery and a return of, you know, I don't know, like this dystopian future of the worst things that you can possibly imagine. Because that's what they portray a normal Republican as, is like this horrible person that wants to take away every single right you have. and. Big I mean, they do people. be wanting
1: to take away rights, but that happens under Biden, too. Like, we lost Roe under... I'm not trying to be funny. Like, I don't think it's Biden's fault, per se. Obviously, he's not in control of the Supreme Court. Although, when the Supreme Court threatened FDR, he, sh- he certainly showed them who was boss. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, no, but it, it it is it is like a weird contrast where you think, like, what were the worst years for, like, civil liberties? 2016 through 2020 or 2020
5: through 2020. kind of see
10: both parties kind of showing a very strong authoritarian tendencies and i'm like you know i'm getting authoritarianism like no matter who i vote for it's just the language they use is a little different and a little more polite
1: yeah and look i'm not trying to minimize i mean there are real there's like a real pogrom going on against trans people right now and it's not gonna get better it's gonna get worse so I, i'm really not trying to minimize that but like i don't like this version of you know political coercion where people act as though bad things aren't happening when Democrats are in office and acting like the status quo. It's like this exchange that I had with um, Alejandra, a trans activist who was like in my mentions on one of my threads. Also like you guys are in my mentions. I'm not in your mentions. I just want to be really clear. Like I don't care what kind of nutso stuff you stuff, you say, I respect that you're doing some important work over on trans
5: rights. And I think that you,
1: But here y'all come in my mentions having something to say. Don't get confused. I have some responses for you. So anyway, she hops into my mentions talking about, well, why are you, you know, what's the point of voting for Marianne? She's a kooky crystal ball, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, and she and she was like, my rights are on the line. And I'm like, totes my goats. I don't know if you've noticed. I also am from more than one marginalized community and my rights are also on the line. Voting rights was like Biden's entire cudgel to get people to go and vote for him in Georgia last year. And guess what happened? Guess how much he's done on voting rights? Like everybody's rights are on the line. People are getting threatened, and what ends up happening is, if you're if the threat you've been under is like from before the last political cycle, you don't get to complain. If if you've been if you've been poor, if you've been suffering, if you've been marginalized for decades or hundreds of years, it doesn't matter because you're just grandfathered in. And what? Nothing new happens. And like, yeah, I'm very sensitive to like, I don't want anything new to happen. I don't want new communities to be under threat. But like, you can't, that is not an argument to getting someone from a different community who already feels under threat on board. It's just not an argument. You have to make a solidaristic argument. Like, I'm so sorry that your issues aren't being addressed by Joe Biden. He's a prick. I'm afraid of what's going to happen to me and my community if Joe Biden loses. So let's take an opportunity in a primary where there's no risk <laughs> and try to threaten Joe Biden and make him at least deliver from my community and yours in exchange for our votes. That's what the posture should be. Not, well, I'm marginalized and you don't know anything about being marginalized. Like That is ridiculous. That's so painfully anti-solidaristic.
10: Yeah, that that's the weird thing I've kind of been like grappling with because I'm like I- – I've always been like pretty left, but I would never have considered myself like a straight socialist, but I'm kind of get like just thinking about joining DSA or something. Cause I'm, I'm running for office. I'm running with a couple of open socialists. And uh, mm. here in, here in Denver, we've just actually elected a couple of open socialists to the DSA, like our members and DSA supported and stuff. Um, so I'm kind of weighing it. And, um, the only thing that's kind of thrown me off is like from what I understand of the socialist movement, like, Obviously, like workers and like, you know, that kind of thing is like always been the core of it, but it doesn't really seem to be the core of socialism in America from what I can tell. It's like um, and, you know, I was here like that, that talk about like so-and-so's rights or so-and-so's rights. And I was like, yeah, but what about what's been happening to the working class in this mm-hmm. country for 50 fucking years? Like you're completely silent on that mm-hmm. and you want you want workers to put trans rights or you know whatever other marginalized groups rights ahead of their own Mm -hmm. but you're not you're not to help their situation so i'm like what kind of socialism is that am i crazy people are like
1: well if you don't if you don't put other people's rights before your own then you're a bigot like i'm sorry to break it to you guys people have stuff like people have struggles everyone can't everyone's just like walking around in like a peaceful zen mode with no problem so they can let everybody else jump ahead of the line like like, you're, you're going to tell, like, I'm sorry, what, how does this hierarchy work exactly? The, you know, what, you know is the homeless person supposed to care more about trans rights than having a home? Is the, is, what if the trans person is homeless? Like, it, it's so ridiculous. It's, it's a ridiculous way to go about this. We should all realize that we have collective interests. That's the whole point of this big tent populist politics. But, like, neoliberals like Alejandra just don't get it. They're not leftists. You're a part of the problem i'm sorry as much as she does good work on the trans issue although i don't think i don't think she's the best representative of the cause i gotta say given how she behaved in that senate hearing and kind of got a lot of egg on her face but generally speaking that does good work but it's like it's like one step forward two steps back if you're making those kinds of arguments
10: yeah Yeah, yes I don't know. It's kind of something I've been grappling with is just like how, well, sometimes I just wonder, am I crazy? Because like most leftists I talk to, like tell me I am crazy because thinking that the left should be talking about, like, I, I don't, I never want it to be, cause I, I know that's a big problem we had back in whatever, whenever it was the twenties and thirties when, you know, socialism was kind of at its peak and um, they were able to kind of force stuff out of FDR was mm-hmm. that they, they threw black workers under the bus. They threw, I think women under the bus and a couple of other groups under the bus. I was like, I don't want to repeat that, Mm-mm. but I don't think the lesson to take away from that was to just focus on these marginalized groups and not focus on workers, which is what I feel like the left is yes. doing.
1: Intersectionality like has zipped class right out of one of the intersectional quadrants. Like it just doesn't exist anymore, which was not the point by the way of the people who coined the word intersectionality. That's just what it's become. If you if you bring Yuck. up class in today's America, everyone starts being like, "Oh, white working class." I remember once um, I think it was it, John Nichols. No, 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 it was um, it was it was uh, uh, Frank. Party mm-hmm. uh, Frank. W- no, no, no. What's the matter with Kansas? Listen, liberal.
10: <laughs> oh, Thomas Frank. Yeah, Thomas well Frank. <laughs> it was Thomas
1: Frank who wrote this article in the Guardian a while back, like years ago. That was like why the working class need good things or something like Mm -hmm. it was literally titled why the working class needs support and Mm -hmm. at zero time like if you word search this article the word white never appears literally Mm -hmm. no one says anything about white but when he published this article the internet went crazy and they were like look at here comes another white man arguing that the the real this is a dog whistle and I was like my friends yeah. <laughs> what are we doing? We literally can't talk about working class people because now you're just interpreting it as a dog whistle for white people. Mm-hmm. If you think, look, I understand that working class has become coded in certain certain contexts, but the answer to that is not to let them take working class. Yeah, It's to ask a question about why it is that only one political party and one section of one political party, like some white nationalists, are the only ones who are talking about this so much that it's become like shaded in that way. Why aren't Democrats talking about the working class? Why aren't Democrats doing ads about working class, working class, working class with a picture of a. McDonald's and working in Zara and working at Starbucks and working at all the places that people work that are the working class of today, which is the majority of the retail sector? Why aren't we reclaiming that word? No, we're just not going to talk about working class people anymore because that's a racist.
10: Yeah, because well, plus two, if you look at it, the the working class, or what we would whatever you call the working class in this country, is going to if, if you help the working class, it's going to disproportionately help marginalized communities. It's not going to disproportionately help white people, because you know white people are more likely to have the jobs that would have them not in the working class. So it's like if you want to help the masses of you know black and brown people, gay and trans people.
5: Of course.
1: of course. You know, the yeah. democratic politics presumes... Look, identity issues are important. People being attacked and persecuted specifically because of who they are is incredibly important. And what's going on with these anti-trans bills is insane. It's nuts. It's yeah. horrific. And it's the beginning... It's just the tip of the iceberg. You know, first they come for the socialists and all of that. But yeah. I... It is odd to be in a place where there is a presumption for an entire political party. The only, like, not completely, I mean, I don't even want to give them the credit of being the better political party, but you know, the only party that is pretending to care about the substance. The, like, there is a hierarchy there is a hierarchy and they almost exclusively are interested in identity issues because they are not necessarily class issues they they've they've done that surgery on on intersectionality and they love identity because it's a way for them to seem substantive and like they have something to offer large swaths of the country without having to pay a, su- a single nickel in terms of material yeah. uplift
10: to me i've just kind of start cuz i i felt I, I was kind of in that camp like when I was younger and I didn't really think too hard about it, but then the more I kind of experienced life and thought about things.
5: power and are ruling the
10: country, like they don't really care. I don't think they care too much about the identity of people in the ruling class. They just care about there being a ruling class that like, Keeps Correct. the vast majority of people under their boot. Right. They're <laughs> so happy like,
1: to diversify if they don't have to change anything substantive. If
10: we have to let a few black women in and a few trans people into the ruling class, like that's fine. But don't yeah. start attacking the the status quo of the ruling class in general because that's where the threat is.
1: Yeah, for so, sure. Well look, Chris, my battery is almost gonna die. Um so I want to wrap up
5: two minutes
11: oh man I can try Brie can you hear me loud and clear oh awesome man I'm really I'm really grateful you called on me I've been waiting so patiently in front of my computer and I'm an hour ahead of you guys so this is just such a pleasure
1: oh good okay I'm glad I got you and you seemed new and I, I like I'm interested in this avatar and I wanted to call on you so I'm glad I got you in what's on your mind
11: um, well, you know, I actually called in once before and, uh, I, I do worry I embarrassed myself a little bit then. I, I was so star, tr- starstruck, Brianna. I am, I'm such a fan and nerves also got the better of me. So <laughs> I still got a lot of nerves tonight, but I'm going to try to do better. Uh, we'll I'm see. Sure.
1: Okay. <laughs> we're, we're rooting for you, Shawnee.
11: <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I'll give her a go. There's, there's actually a lot I would I would love to talk to you about. The environment, the climate crisis, Matt Taibbi, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you, you're on a schedule, so I got to choose carefully. And um, I actually think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention something you brought up just in passing a few columns ago. Uh, you said this wasn't really on your radar, and I think I need to try to put it there. Um, sorry, I wasn't trying. To... I'm here to tell you, Brianna, you need to be paying attention to this. Uh, the AI revolution has arrived, and the world has fundamentally changed. I think what's coming will be massively disruptive and as profoundly impactful as the smartphone revolution, at least, maybe even the internet revolution, and most people have no idea as of yet. Um, For better or worse, I am a news junkie and tech is one of my wheelhouses, and I had no idea until very recently. until an industrial chicken coop which i detest for many many reasons uh started to be built two doors down from my house it's about 400 feet from my property um now my ongoing battle with this chicken coop is a longish saga so i won't get on my soapbox about that the upshot is that a few weeks ago i pulled up chat gpt on a whim to see what it had to say about the matter And Bree, my God, my mind has not been this blown in a very long time. It was like I had a paralegal and a landscape architect sitting in front of me that was able to work at the speed of light and had access to all knowledge in the history of both fields. Right, so I first went down a rabbit hole about legal precedent vis-a-vis the right to quiet enjoyment of property. ChatGBT found me dozens of legal cases relating to land use conflicts between industrial agriculture operations and concerned residents. I then asked GBT to give me only the subset of legal cases that pertain to my jurisdiction and it did. And after that, I asked it to summarize and analyze said cases and it listed for me the major factors which typically distinguished cases that won from those that lost. I then started discussing potential mitigation measures capable of offsetting environmental impacts of this monstrosity going up next door with ChatGPT. It proceeded to provide me with a set of credible mitigation measures to present to the owner of the coop, describing the pros and cons of each. It also helped me begin to design a biodiversity enhancing hedge to surround the coop, suggesting spatial dimensions, species compositions, planting strategies, Uh, and more that could maximize the ecological and mitigation benefits of this hedge. When I asked ChatGBT to back up its suggestions with peer-reviewed sources, it gave me a long list. Now, what you need to understand is that in any other circumstance, this research would have taken me weeks to do on my own. ChatGBT got me there in a few hours. I'm not exaggerating this. And ChatGPT, which is the version currently available on demand to the public and what I used a couple weeks ago, is already old news. Um, It's only been a couple of months since ChatGPT3 was released, and the technology has been further developed since then by leaps and bounds. Uh, Also, remember that right now, this technology is the worst it is ever going to be. So... I'm calling in to urge you to start paying attention to the AI re- revolution. I think its impacts on society and humanity are going to be profound and irre- irreversible. And most people have no idea what's coming. So, yeah, I wanted to get that on your radar because I'd heard you you mention it to another caller. And I've been down that rabbit hole and whew, it's exciting, but also terrifying. Um, yeah, a lot of power and potential in this technology, but a hell of a lot of dangers and pitfalls.
1: Well, I will definitely be looking more into it, Shawnee. I just hadn't had time to get into it this week with everything going on, but it's definitely on the radar. And I appreciate you giving us the uh, gloss on it. Um, and thanks for calling, and I'm glad you made it through. All right, Thank I got it. I got to jump off, guys. Keep the
11: faith, Shawnee. Uh, oh, please, I, just 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 really quick before I got to recommend. Cold, one YouTube channel, Cold Fusion by Dagogo Altrades. He, incredible, like does the tech beat, the economic speed, everything. Anyway, he's got some real good vids on chat GBT and I'll, I'll leave it there.
1: All right. Thanks, Shani. Thank you.
11: Keep the faith, Brie. Thank you.
0: I wish I was a lion in the tall grass wish I had a pilot and a podcast wish I had a strong donkey that can holler ass And travel with portable speakers playing boss Skags. I wish I had a million dollars I wish I had a million albums I wish I had a million problems That way I couldn't pinpoint all one million outcomes I wish I found a genie lamp I wish them girls gave me them sugar like Beanie Man Yeah I wish I was a comedian, late night sitcom syndicated on TV land. I wish this well had water in it. These kids are stealing all my...